Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature are Steven Spielberg's TV movies, bringing you Duel and Something Evil. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Is it weird that it makes me nervous? So, I was at work today, and uh, I, Doug actually came up in conversation, which is weird and random. <laughs> but like, that, it doesn't happen every day. <laughs> yeah. The, the just want to hear about my friend again. <laughs> Well, the CEO of my company bumped into me in the hallway and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And, you know, he's the type of dude that says hi to everybody. So it's like, oh, hi, Micah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, how's your podcast going? Still doing all that podcast stuff? And I was like, how the fuck do you remember that? We had one conversation <laughs> about he's podcasting stuff whenever I first started working there. He, he has a secretary listening, just waiting for you to say something racist so he can fire you. Yeah, I I just think that's that's who he is. Mike Mike is a really good guy, but it almost like it puts me off that he's actually like an honest good boss. I don't. You said it, you said he's a CEO, so I don't believe what you're saying about him being a good person. Uh, I don't. I, I but don't he's know. he's trained himself to come across that way in dealing with the employees. So so instead of going to space, he decided I need to make myself more human. Yeah, I'm gonna watch, watch a bunch <laughs> so, of seasons of Dexter listen, and figure out how to. I, I hate Jeff Bezos. I hate him. I hate him so much in his fucking face. But at the same time, if I could launch myself into space in a giant fucking robot dildo, I would do that. I would do that so fast. Yeah. Make billions of dollars. Mine would have been painted flesh tone and been a little more obvious. I think, I think we can all agree the problem isn't the individuals who are going to space it's the system that you know doesn't take care of the millions of people who aren't going to space i just love that he thanked everybody who worked at amazon and who has bought something through amazon and then that they helped him to achieve this goal yeah i felt you helped. i felt good about it you know what should have ordered off amazon in the last couple of months <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's even crazier and I, I doubt you guys watched this but did you guys watch the the virgin air um spaceways or whatever fucking launch i didn't watch either one of them okay any of this stuff i've only heard about it from other people complaining about it yeah so the virgin one we watched it only because we used the peacock app to watch a bunch of shit and we were watching one of the random channels, and apparently they decided to cut over to it like it was an actual space launch. You know, like we were bettering mankind <laughs> instead of fucking Richard Branson fucking stroking his own dick. 
And I swear to God, so they had uh, Stephen Colbert is one of the like announcers on it. And I think he was kind of just letting him know what was going on because the whole time he's just talking shit about Richard Branson the entire time. (laughs) But besides that, the entire thing looked the same way that the Canaveral space launches do. You know what I mean? With the talking heads and them cutting back and forth to all the different systems and showing you what's up. But with what they were saying and the way it was presented, it was clearly an infomercial. They made an infomercial for rich cocksuckers buying tickets to space. <laughs> it's the it was just the craziest thing cuz this this woman was like, you know, this is going to make it available to the public. I mean, not the regular public. Obviously, this is just for the wealthiest of the wealthy, but it, it, it's like Jesus fuck, you're not supposed to you're supposed to pretend you're doing something good. You're not <laughs> supposed to like blatantly go, "Hey, we've stole the entire wealth from the middle class so that a bunch of rich people can spend 3 minutes in fucking space." Mm-hmm. Fuck them. I hope they die. <laughs> they die in a horrible space accident. Ugh. So Steven Spielberg, that guy. You guys have heard of him before, right? Haven't you? That guy who made all the fucking movies for about 10 years. Yeah. Naturally, we're going 10 years before that. We've decided to cover the period of time right before he got famous. Which is, we're going to get into it, but it's an interesting period for Spielberg. Yeah. So which, which one do you want to talk about first, Brian? I can't talk about shit, so one of you two is going to have to talk about it. <laughs> well, that's fine. Pick a movie. Well, we should go in chronological order. Doug, you should tell us about Duel. Duel? Uh, the plot description of Duel. There's a guy. He's driving on his way to some sort of a business appointment. They don't even make it clear exactly why he's going. He might be a salesman. I'm not sure. Um, and there's a large truck on the road, and then the guy driving the large truck decides to try to kill him and that is the whole movie it just goes back and forth the entire time fuck yes it is it is the arguably the simplest plot we've ever discussed on this podcast there are there are so many things i love about this movie and then a few things that i'm like nah, i don't like that we should talk about all the stuff you hate first <laughs> Well, get us so, started off on the right foot and complain about a, a movie that most people like. Inner inner monologue is always almost always bad, and and I think that continues to this film. It's uh, unnecessary and weird. I, I would push back, and I think it's actually pretty well done. Um, inner monologue is always a bit problematic, but I think it's better done in this film than most other examples. Mm-hmm. And I, I also in this film, I dislike any time uh, we're drawn to the fact that there is somebody driving the truck. Does, does that make sense? So the, the gas station scene where you see the guy's boots and he's kicking the tires and stuff, you don't like it. The, the scene where he's in the diner kind of losing his fucking mind. I don't completely hate that entire scene, but I dislike the idea of the guy being in there with him. 
so you in your mind you think the truck should have been potentially supernatural or not not exactly supernatural so so that's not what i'm saying i'm okay with the fact that there's a guy driving the truck but i like the framing so whenever they're you're they're in the vehicles and the way the truck is shot you know a lot of the time it's just like the bottom half of the grill and the tires and you know that yeah. kind of stuff yes it it treats it so in there's this great analog that instead of it being a truck, it is a beast hunting him in the wild, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I agree. Yeah, with that. The we, way it's shot, the, the truck becomes a character. Yeah. The way yeah, it's they, shot. And it's the truck that's hunting him instead of the driver is what you're getting at. Right, right, right. And and like I said, I don't mind the fact that there is a driver and I don't mind the fact that it's not supernatural. I just like the story being told in the way that the fact that there is a person in that truck almost doesn't matter. It's it's just that the truck exists and it wants him dead. <laughs> you see, that's interesting because I think a lot of the strength of this movie is the fact that it's a, a Richard Matheson script from a Richard Matheson story and knowing his writing style like that, um, that sense of paranoia and all that, all those scenes where he is trying to figure out who the driver of the truck is are I think they're well done, but I also think that they're a lot more integral to the story. And then the way Spielberg shot the movie, I think probably adds a lot more of that element of the truck being its own character. So you're seeing kind of like two great minds in film working together. And it's interesting that you're kind of siding with the, the more visual elements of this, whereas like it's a, I think the original story, probably the driver is more important, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. And I and I bet and I 100 percent agree with you. And I think that in a in another movie that that paranoia of worrying about who the driver is and all that kind of stuff is is its own great movie. Yeah. I just in this particular iteration, I like I just really like that idea of the you know the truck as a lion and him as a gazelle essentially <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like how long can he evade this thing that's interesting I, I i don't have that same problem with the film i think the way the film is made i think the paranoia of him in that like in that diner scene is the easiest example to point to but it, it works really well with the 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 animalistic characterization of the truck. So I don't actually have a problem. I don't think they contradict each other, but I see what you're saying. It is actually a, an interesting point. Yeah. Bringing up that point, it does sort of feel like it's almost split into two different, um, movies in a way. Like since it's Matheson writing it, like you said, the paranoia and stuff very much feels like a twilight zone episode. Yeah. But then all the stuff on the road, like feels completely different. And, like new i guess it's just interesting how he's able to bring both those together through the writing and then spielberg's able to translate that so well on screen right and i i I think my most favorite thing about duel has always been the fact that so you know obviously this um i I guess it's its own genre is a road rage film i guess is like (laughs) Essentially, 
because I'll mean, look it up on IMDb. Yeah, there's there's like a million movies that generally have the same idea, and it's almost always a truck driver after the person. Well, yeah, because I think there's something inherently intimidating about trucks on the road. Right, for, right. That they you know, most of us are. Yeah, like they're just these giant, powerful machines that could destroy you at any given moment just because. And and there's also a. Uh, and I don't I don't think it's a good thing for society, but it's a great thing for film shorthand of the assumption that truck drivers are dangerous rednecks. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> like, like not good for society because it's not necessarily true. But for art, great shorthand because yeah. since since people have their biases, you can just play into their biases. But I was going to say my, my favorite thing about this one is normally in these movies – there's some kind of act of aggression that kicks everything off. You know, the dumb teenager cuts the guy off on the road yeah. or they almost wreck his trucks, you know, something, something like that. But in this film, he just passes the guy. Yeah. Like he doesn't do anything aggressive. He doesn't do anything fucked up and just in, in it is instigated at that exact moment. Yes. It escalates a little bit whenever he passes in the second time by whipping through that off ramp. To get around yeah. him, but truck driver has clearly already started his bullshit. You know what I mean? That slowing down to 35 miles an hour and swerving back and forth on the road to make sure he can't pass. And uh, it's it. This movie comes out seven years before Halloween, but it's the same thing where it's just this killer who just picks a victim seemingly at random and just stalks them for the rest of the movie for no goddamn reason. And right. that's so scary because that's that's when you know it could be you. There's no way for you to avoid that scenario. There's no way for you to avoid randomly being picked out of a crowd. And that's that's why the, the tension, I think, in this film works quite well. I think part of it is that. You can easily put yourself in that scenario. Like you're driving and some guy just decides uh, he's going to take you out. And, uh, you know, it's... It, it, there's something about that that is just like, okay, you're screwed. Like there's nothing you could do. <laughs> and that's that's although I would argue in this film there is one specific thing he could do that I don't understand why he doesn't do it turn around and go home you turn around and you drive the other fucking direction <laughs> yeah yeah you're just done but the, but you're the like account I is just really I important. forfeit I forfeit attempting to go any further yeah I think well, uh, maybe they they don't emphasize enough though but there is some dialogue at the beginning of the movie where they're trying to make this appointment he has to get to very very important and so I think that's that's what you're supposed to get out of it. Um, maybe it's a little bit actually, of a flaw in the filmmaking. Right. Which is actually added uh, later. Oh, okay. I was going to say, and there's, and it's still problematic because the the second time the truck gets in front of him and does the whole slowdown thing, he even like looks at his clock and he goes, "Oh, well, now there's no way I can make this meeting at all." Mm. And so that's already off the ta- that that's off the table halfway through the movie. Yeah, I guess. But at and, that point, too. And while I might I might be with him in going forward, because it's like, OK, maybe the driving down the mountain thing, maybe that was a fluke. That truck was just going too fast and just about killed you. Right. Yeah. But once we get to the point of the the possibly the greatest scene of all scenes in this particular genre, and that's the phone booth scene. Yeah. Inarguably, it, 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 it's it's. God damn it. It is perfect. It is. It's one of those things that you're just like, yeah, that is exactly what should happen. 
in in this movie in that way. But once that happens, it's done. That dude is trying to fucking straight kill. Not like a little bit. Like, not maybe it was an accident or maybe you're being paranoid. No. That truck driver is trying to murder you. Well, okay. My response to your point of why doesn't he turn around is... I think there's two issues. One, it wouldn't have done any good. It was demonstrated time and time again that that truck can outrun that car. So turning around and going the other way doesn't really help you. He can still track you down if he decides to. Um, But the more important point within the movie is that at the beginning, there are multiple different little storytelling techniques where they remind you that this guy has been emasculated and that everybody has been calling him a pussy. And... He there is definitely a time somewhere in the middle of this movie, and I don't know if there's an exact moment I could pinpoint, but there's a a moment where he goes, "No, I'm fucking not a pussy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this guy." It becomes not just about surviving, but about beating that truck, and that's one of the reasons why he can't turn around. It's almost like this movie in 1971 is commenting on toxic masculinity, which is kind of funny to think about, but it's, it's like they're, they're they're you know he he is very clearly determined not to be made to look bad. And and that starts in that diner scene, I think is where we first start to um, notice it, where he's trying to act like a tough guy and he gets his ass beat by some other character that just happens to be in the diner and is not not involved in the story at all. But it's, he, he is clearly not willing to back off at some point and he makes the situation worse for himself, arguably. I was gonna say that. Uh, oh, sorry, that that comparison makes it interesting because it reminds me of I don't know if you would have had to read it in Canada, Brian. Did you guys have to read in high school the book that's uh, it kind of takes place in like the Polynesian Islands and there's the the kid who's not strong enough to be like a hunter or a fisherman in his tribe, and he hops in a boat and just like sails off on his own to become a man. No. No, there's a whole even, thing. Don't even know what book you're talking about. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing where he like has to make a knife and then like fight a giant octopus. It's it's really weird, but that's pretty much what it is too. It's it's toxic masculinity. The the required reading for high school. It's interesting. Yeah. No, I had an awesome English teacher that wanted to teach us more subversive things. So. We read uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and uh, Flowers for Algernon instead of like Wuthering Heights and a lot of other garbage. The old man in the sea. Curse this hand. Yeah. All right, all right guys. Back to duel, please. <laughs> um, I was reading something that uh, the truck was supposed to be like sort of a form of his id after being emasculated. We brought that up. Uh, in the conversation with his wife, but Spielberg said that that really wasn't it. It was just sort of like, nah, it's just a fun car chase movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, 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 so here's the thing. Spielberg, in this is four years before Jaws, yeah? Yep. 71? Yeah. So yeah, before. Yeah. So, so once again, he's on the cusp. <laughs> he is on the cusp of film immortality and i have to say while duel is a good movie there's just so much about it that you can look at it and be like okay yeah but that's that's not very good 
the giant flammable sign on the back of the truck that he's staring at before the whole thing instigates is like that is the most ham fisted <laughs> metaphor and foreshadowing that's ever been done in a film. That's 1971 made for television storytelling, though. Right. 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 That's right. probably that's probably like a studio note. Like, how is the audience going to know that the truck could blow up? OK, well, we'll write flammable on it in big letters. <laughs> well, it's not it's not even that it's going to blow up later. I'm saying it's it's basically because, you know, he the, so the first time he encounters it, it's got the big and it's basically, you know, keep away flammable, dangerous, you know, stay, stay away from this truck. And then he passes it. But that's that's the instigation. He didn't stay away. He got near it. Yeah, I just I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, it's it, once again, that's fine. That is totally the thing I would expect from a, a young filmmaker learning to make films. It's the kind of thing you'd expect to see in like a student film. You know what I mean? It's just a little a little over the top. And in in this point in his career, that's not exactly too far off from where he was. He had directed a bunch of like uh, TV episodes and shit. But yeah, no, this is this is training ground for him to make Jaws in no uncertain terms. Right. It's, right. Oh, totally. very, it's very much a very simplified version of the Jaws story that he later tells. And when you come to realize how much the movie Jaws is a simplified version of the book where they edited out so much. It's like he was taking the, the book Jaws and turning it into this movie basically is what he was doing. So this is obviously a story he's interested in telling at the time. Right. And he found different ways to do it. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny to see like this movie, in my opinion, this would be one that I would look at and go, okay, this director's got potential, but he's not great. But <laughs> Four years from this time, from him making this film, he's making one of one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. And then within 10 years of that, making about four more of the top 10 movies of all time. It, it is interesting. We'll talk about it in the next movie as well. Um, but you can start to see that he's just more competent of a filmmaker than your average made for television director. Right. He's, yeah. you know, like we talked about the way the truck is shot and the, and creating a character out of an inanimate object. Basically, um, we talked about, you know, I, I referenced that. I think the, uh, the internal monologue stuff is better done in this than it is in most things because it's limited and because it's, uh, just it's used during the paranoia scenes, which is where you need to know what's going on in his head. Um, all those things are decisions that are made along the way that help you make a better film out of what, like this could be a very silly movie if it were made by a less competent director. I mean, this, this could be an extended Dukes of Hazard episode in the wrong hands, right? <laughs> Dude, that is, that is the craziest fucking Dukes of Hazard episode ever. <laughs> Come on guys, get the I, General Lee. Oh fuck, he's trying to kill us. I, I legit think that Boss if you look hard enough, shit. I feel like there is a Dukes of Hazard episode where there was like an evil General Lee in it. I cannot remember, but there I'm is. pretty sure that happened. Yeah, it's whoever. I mean, they were they were always racing against somebody, and it was yeah. uh, another guy who had a really fast charger as well. Yeah. And then only tangentially related to this film, but I have to ask it: 
because I've seen this in so many movies, especially from the 70s. Were diners really selling fucking cheese sandwiches? <laughs> I have never seen a cheese sandwich on a fucking menu anywhere I, in my entire life. And I'm I a cannot, fat piece of shit. I've been to a lot of restaurants. <laughs> I, I don't understand how you could make money selling cheese sandwiches. But like, this is not the first film from that era that somebody orders a cheese sandwich. No, I agree with you. I don't know if cheese sandwiches were a thing back then. In this particular case, he asks for a, a cheese sandwich and then requests ketchup for it. So it's just two pieces of bread, some cheese in between. He's really specific about the type yeah. of cheese and the type of bread, cold, and then he wants to put cheese. ketchup on. You know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a grilled cheese sandwich. That We'd be having a whole different discussion if you ordered a grilled cheese sandwich. Well, it was the 70s. Wasn't there like a fuel shortage or something? Maybe they didn't get their meat. <laughs> it, was all sorts of, it, it was also during the era of of aspects. Have we talked about that before? Where in the 70s, they were like, you know what we should do with Jell-O? We should take flavorless Jell-O and throw random fucking garbage in it and call that a party dish. What's that? A can of tuna? Can of tuna. Can of tuna and some bamboo shoots and a hot dog. Yeah, delicious. Let's put that in a cookbook. People need to know how to make that. Gross. It's like they were all high as fuck. It's as if, eh? Can you imagine? <laughs> but anyway, there's a tangent I had to go on. Because once again, that happens to me all the time where somebody in a movie orders a cheese sandwich and I'm like, that was not a thing. I don't believe you unless you give me a fucking time machine and you show me a fucking menu that's got a goddamn cheese sandwich on it. I don't believe you. I have to know. I have to know the truth. <laughs> I don't. And that's the other thing, though. It is just like a like a road stop, like a like a bar pub type place. And he walks in and demands Swiss cheese with rye bread. And they're like, yeah, no problem. It, it's clearly not on the menu because he, he looks at the menu for a while and then he goes, you know what? Instead of something on the menu, I'm going to go off menu at Chuck's Roadhouse Diner and I'm going to ask for <laughs> you guys have rye bread here, I assume. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And, it, and he orders aspirin with his meal, too, and they bring that out. Is that a thing? So I think that was just a personal favor from the waitress. You think so? She does bring it in like a little tin. I don't know yeah, if that tin, tin is meant to be. Well, didn't she say she gets headaches? So, yeah, she had some aspirin and then she. Well, yeah, maybe. Okay. I remember yeah, whenever I was little, they don't they don't have them anymore. They used to have uh, coin operated vending machines, kind of like um, bubblegum machines that had aspirin and stuff in them. Do you oh, remember yeah. those yeah. where you would like turn it to the drug you wanted? Yeah. No. And, and like I could have seen like if there was like a little gift shop in this roadside diner that's not uncommon or like a little like where you could buy water to go and they would have aspirin there that would make sense but this place didn't have that so so if he asked for it at the snake arama you would be like oh yeah that makes sense but not at the uh chuck's diner or whatever that's, the fuck this place that's is that's correct mm-hmm. yeah snake okay. snake arama right. is so fucking great <laughs> I love her reaction to because once again, it's one of those things that I think people would accuse a movie of being unrealistic, but I feel like that's totally realistic where there's a truck driving through your property, clearly trying to murder somebody. And your first thought is, I'm a snake. I'm a baby. Yeah, that made sense to me. Totally. If you're the kind of person that runs like a snake roadside attraction. Great. Save my murder lizards. Yeah, fuck that spider though. You can just run right over that bullshit. 
like it. I also always liked, but am confused by the bus scene. Specifically mm. the part where the murder truck pulls up and pushes the bus and gets him back going and then comes back to murder him again. Well, here's what I think. <laughs> I think that the, the truck um, kind of liked fucking with him and liked the idea that it was driving him insane and making everyone else think he was insane. Because at the beginning, there's like, like you you actually referenced it. That first like chase down the mountain that causes him to like spin off into like that fence and stuff. Um, that could theoretically be bad driving. That's not necessarily murder, right? And I think the idea of the truck coming and parking in front of the place where he's eating and hovering out there and watching for him to go insane. There was something about that driving him nuts and the fact that he was acting crazy in front of other people. That was all part of the sadistic plan of the truck and the truck driver. And so I think that was just another example of it when he's, he's like paranoid, like trying to get the kids away from the truck. And then the truck comes in and acts like a good guy in front of all of those people. And it's just part of fucking with him. It's, it's part of messing with his brain as well as trying to physically kill him. I accept Uh, the part of fucking with him. I always thought it was supposed to be just part of representing the psychosis of this truck. Then the truck's really not a bad guy. It's just got it in its head that it's going to kill this one person. uh, To do anything to get that thing done. I have a logical reason why that's a little bit more disjointed than the other ones. Oh, okay. Um, Use your logic. Well, so they made the movie and it did, I guess, relatively well because they decided, you know, we could run this in theaters too, but it was way too short. So they needed to add three more scenes to it to make it long enough. Okay. So the scene at the beginning where he's talking to his wife on the phone was added. Uh, The scene at the railroad crossing where he tries to push him in front of the train was added. And then the school bus scene was added pad it out okay see that's really interesting because the school bus scene i think is just a kind of a fun scene mm. um but those other two scenes are integral plot wise to me i i think you know what i mean yeah. the only yeah. thing i would say but the this the phone call with the wife is kind of they've already in the background there's talk radio playing and they've got this these references to some guy being emasculated because his wife's the head of the household going on throughout that. So then the, you're sort of doubling up on that by having this, the conversation with the wife as well. But Mm -hmm. it's, um, it still feels like in order to bring it to this character, you need that scene. Yeah. It does explain what, where he's going, why he's going there and why it's so important for him to go and not just turn around and go home. Yeah. So uh, and then, the uh, the opening with the car, with the POV shot of the car pulling out of the garage and driving through the city and stuff is all added for the theatrical run. I really, I really like that opening a lot. Um, um, like I think the idea of I think it works in a lot of ways. Like first of all, I just think visually it looks cool, but I think also it really enhances this idea that here's this like city guy who like lives in like a suburban neighborhood type place heading out into the country into kind of the unknown and that um, i thought they did a good job of that and it also because this the talk radio going on in the background and all that it 
kind of highlights the mundaneness of just driving, especially like, you know, back in the seventies where like you're driving along back then you get to listen to whatever's on the radio. You don't like, you know what I mean? You're, you're scanning, looking for stations as soon as you leave your hometown and you're just hoping you find something and you're not always going to. Right. So, um, I, I th- it's weird that that some of the stuff you're saying was added. I'm thinking some of the good stuff in the movie and I'm thinking maybe that's where Spielberg's filmmaking could come through in ways where he's like, okay, I have a budget to, you know, shoot an opening. Whereas we didn't have that when it was a made for TV movie. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I'll also say dual does something for me that most movies don't do. So in general, horror movies i don't find them scary anymore i've watched i've watched all of them so many times and all this kind of stuff that only you know jump scares yeah you'll get my heart to yeah for a second or whatever but but in general you might raise tension or something but duel's one of those ones that it actually has movies that legit just cause my anxiety to go up <clears throat> like you're like fuck because because you know what that's like i know what it's like to be stuck near a car and in your head you're going that person's fucking dangerous and all I want is to get away from them and you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yeah. or or the scene where the truck's pushing him into the train. Fuck, that's so fucking scary. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> for real, because you would, you kind of can imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a really tense moment in it. And it's also, I think, the first moment in the film I'd have to it's only been two days since I watched it, but it's already hard to remember what happens when, but it, that is another moment where you're just like, yeah, he's just trying to murder him at this point. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Like he's just trying to kill him. He's trying to force him into a situation where there's no other option. And I think having a, a few of those moments is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, uh, bringing up earlier. No, was the, uh, the phone booth scene, which is amazing. Um, Oh, it really fucking is. <laughs> uh, I, I can't minutes, say that highly enough. I was 10 minutes into this movie when Amanda got home. And she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, Duel, have you ever seen it before? She's like, no. I'm like, all right, well, I can start it over. So we made dinner real quick and she sat down and watched it. And uh, specifically that railroad scene and the phone booth scene. She just blurts out, holy fucking shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> You're right. Totally. That's oh, an appropriate it, it, reaction. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's shot. It's shot so well too because the the phone booth scene. It's kind of it at a weird obtuse angle so that it intentionally catches the truck. You know what I mean? Yeah. In just the fact that you start to see the truck rolling at him, and it it's really not going that fast at first. And something about the way it builds. In the point that there's this, I, I don't know, because you almost feel like the truck's just going to scare him or something. But you kind of realize at the same moment that he does that that truck is going to hit him. Like, that's the plan is just to explode that phone booth with him in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading the trivia. They had uh, like a series of flags set up on the on the ground so that he knew when he hit whatever flag, how far away he was. And then there was one, the flag at the end was the point of no return flag. So it's, if you hit that and Dennis Weaver still hasn't jumped out of the way yet, then you need to swerve. Otherwise you're going to kill him. 
but everything no went off perfectly. No pressure, though, guys. Yeah, well, right. And I, and I think that scene is since, like, if we just want to reference the how influential this movie is, um, there's versions of that in every other scary truck movie that's ever come along, oh, yeah. where they're just driving through things that you know you feel like if you go inside a structure, you're kind of safe, and by having these trucks just drive through things. Remember, we did when we did a breakdown. We talked about it driving right through the trailer and all that. And it's like, that's just another example of just, yeah. they're mimicking this movie, whether it's intentional or just because it's part of the zeitgeist. I'm not sure, but it's a, it's, it's that thing that, you know, like this whole idea of a truck just driving through a structure and destroying it. I, I think this is the earliest example. I don't think I know of an earlier one, really. Yeah, I don't know. There may be some weird low budget. I was going to say there, there probably is, but it's probably not worth referencing over this. One. Yeah, right. Like I'm, well, I'm yeah. trying to remember what it, which one it is. There's a more modern one where they basically ape the scene, but the guy is on a phone inside of the diner, essentially, and the truck just blows through the diner entirely. Oh, I, I I've seen that scene. I don't know yeah. what movie it's from either. Yeah, it just drives right through the center of the building. It just it's like yeah. fuck, fuck me. <laughs> you went bigger, but you still didn't do better. Is it one of the Joyride movies? Probably. Yeah, it seems like seems like it. Well, yeah, and I think when I, when I was explaining to Amanda what this movie was, I'm like, you know, like the Joyride movies and like the truck stuff from like Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, that all goes back to the this movie she's like oh okay I do, I do want to touch on what noah just said about how like the modern movies do it bigger but not better i think one of the advantages that this movie has is the fact that it is a tv budget it is the 1970s so there's no cgi there's nothing like that so everything just feels so real because it is like it, like yeah. you, you just told the story. It's a guy driving a truck at a phone booth and the other guy's standing inside that phone booth. And there's no other, real other way to do it back then. Like it's right. that's just what and, you have to do. Well, unsolved, he's, unsolvable. Right, oh, go I was going to say since, since he's right up at the camera too, this can't get a stunt man. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're, you're the lead actor, but you're going to have to be like just, front and center. Yeah. So right. make sure you run and jump at the right place. Yeah, I was going to say, unsolvable problems seem to be the fuel of great cinema. Yeah. Like, that, that just seems to be, I mean, even in Spielberg's career. So we, so we move forward to, like, Jaws. The fucking shark didn't work. Like, that yeah. was the whole thing. Yeah. Shark didn't fucking work. It looked shitty. So what do we do? I don't Well, you just happen to have a genius at the helm who's like, fuck it, we're just going to shoot around it. And you end up making the best animal attack movie of all time. <laughs> And then E.T., all the fucking logistics it took to make that fucking alien work. It's just, yeah. once again, you take a problem that can't be solved and you find some genius who actually solves it. And all of a sudden it's great. If there's, and I, if there's and I one feel like now we... there's just an answer ready. And the answer is CGI. They're like, fuck it, yeah. it's CGI. Oh, yeah. But that's that's how, get, that's, how, that's how you get rid of guns and you add walkie-talkies. Right. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's look, it's George Lucas, right? It's yeah. when you've got a guy making a movie and he's forced to be creative in order to tell the story, a good director will find a way. When you're not forced, then it's easy to just hide behind the technology and everything else. 
and it's it's really that simple, right? Right. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I read the uh, the famous shot of the truck going over the cliff yeah. at the end. Two things about that scene. One of them, there was supposed to be this mechanism that would keep the truck going straight, and then you know would eventually go off the cliff. Yeah. So the stuntman could get out of there in plenty of time. Yeah, that broke like halfway through the truck's run. Okay. And the and the stunt guy is like, "Well, fuck, I don't want to have to redo this, so I'm just gonna hang out in the cab as long as possible, and, and then, then bail, jump, and then bail at the last second, which is what he did, which is why the truck door is open when it like goes over the edge. Really. And then uh, the other thing is. The, I mean, the famous shot of it going over and like hitting and then the fucking tank like flips over. Just that amazing shot was from like the B camera. Like that wasn't supposed to be the main angle of no. it. But then they looked at it and they're like, this is amazing. The other one's <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is the uh, one we're using. That's. But again, that's that's what creative people do, right? They exactly. look at the, they, they don't just go with, well, here's the plan. We'll follow through. You're not, they're not professional filmmakers. They're creative people trying to tell a story. I was going to say, and another thing about this film. So I love living in the era of the post-credit scene. I, I just like it except for, for, for specific things. So things like Marvel movies where we already know that there's another movie coming and it's, yeah. it's a nice stinger advertisement for the next thing. It's fucking great. I love it. But what I also really love is 1970s movies and their attitude of this movie is over now. Like, here's who was in it. Go home. Yeah, it's it's over this. That truck goes over the edge and he kind of sits there and he has that cathartic moment of ah, I got you. And then it's like, done. That was the story. It's fucking done. Go home. Yeah, this was a story about a truck trying to kill a guy. It was unsuccessful. There you go. And no resolution. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's there's no because there would be so much temptation to have some dialogue where it's like, oh, yeah, it turns out this truck driver, whatever, you know, have the psycho ending where you kind of explain everything, which you don't need in a movie like this. Um, The other the other thing would be like to have him like run home and have the big happy ending with his wife and kids. And it's like, we don't we don't need that either, you know. Or, or right. you get the combo, or, or even yeah, I was gonna say, or the resolution of cops finally showing up. Yep, combo ending where the cops are there, and then time passes, and then the wife and the kids come running out. Yeah. Oh my god, we're so happy you're safe! And then <laughs> the uh, the the twist at the end, of course, it's like, oh no, sheriff, we never found nobody. And then close <laughs> up on his eyes, god and then damn. fade to black. Yep. All right. Do Do yeah. you guys? find it weird that I I don't know if it's exactly a plot hole or if it's just supposed to be another one of those what the fuck things in this film but there's that instance where he sees a cop off to the side and he buzzes him uh yeah right is is the same type of car that was a cop car and it was specifically built to look like a cop car so is it not a cop car see I thought that I thought whatever the guy got uh, up he was a cop no it's a uh um exterminator okay if you if you look at it, the the driver's side is painted yellow and it says exterminator on it and then the top has a bug that is painted red on the very top of it okay see that makes more sense because i was thinking that actually was a cop 
and that that cop was like, huh, well, that was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Move on by day now. I ain't dealing with that shit. Like, where did you? Uh, where did you watch it? Do what? Where did you watch the movie? Uh, I oh, I watched uh, the copy you own on YouTube. Oh, okay, I was gonna say I watched it on Vudu, and the copy I had was super clean. So no, it was it was it was clean. I think I just maybe wasn't paying close enough attention to the car because I was so riveted by. The, oh, gotcha. the semi up that dude's butt. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was it was purposely made to him make it him think it was a cop, but then it turned out to be an exterminator car. But if you were an exterminator, I don't know why you'd have a car instead of a van. But whatever. It was the seventies, man. Well, <laughs> exactly. Did things differently back then. Vans weren't for carrying your equipment; they were were for banging in. Okay. That's for mobile water beds and carpeting. <laughs> on- yep. Yeah. And so, how do you guys ever feel about recommending Duel to people? I, f- I find it weird because it's a great movie, but I think if you don't like genre movies, you you might not find it interesting. It might be boring. Um, yeah, like I've never recommended Duel like to just like a mainstream human being. Like I don't go around the office at work telling people they should go watch this car chase movie. Uh, but yeah, anybody who's a genre fan, I'd, I'd recommend it 100. percent yeah. yeah, it's just weird. It I, feels uh, like it should be, though, right? It feels like it should be the type of film that you would just recommend to anybody. But well, if the world were a just and fair place, yes, uh, plain <laughs> and simple. Like it's, it's not a criticism of the film when I say I don't recommend it to people. It's a criticism of all those people I don't recommend it to. <laughs> if you're listening like, to this and I haven't recommended Duel to you, you should be a little offended because it means I think you're not good enough for this movie. <laughs> Yeah, like I would not recommend this for like my 15 year old nephew to watch because I don't think he would get anything out of it. Um, but another friend of mine that I know likes movies and is like, oh, yeah, I've never seen that movie. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you should definitely sit down and watch it. Yeah. You know what? That's the funny thing. I think I would totally if there was some random like. 10 to 13 year old kid that was like, I want to watch a horror movie. I think this would be one they'd be like, you should watch Duel. Because it's not like it's bloody or gory or... I mean, I guess it's got a tiny bit of profanity in it, but nothing... No. No, the, the biggest thing is it needs to be an audience member that can sit down and watch a relatively slow burn movie. And, you know, realistic action scenes instead of giant superhero action scenes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And most people aren't qualified to do that. Yeah. I just think, like I said, I think a 10-year-old could totally be into a movie that's just 50% car chase. Yeah. Oh, I I definitely think a young me would have liked this movie, Um, would have watched this. Like, I never saw this until I was an adult. Um, But I think a younger version of me would have watched this, would have enjoyed it, and it would have been one of those movies that is in your head the rest of your life. Like, remember how cool that was and and how creepy it was that that truck was trying to kill that guy? You know? (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like some movie I would have watched when I was younger, and then completely forgot what the name of it was, and then been like, oh, "What was that movie we watched?" And then had to look it up later. Get it confused with the thirty-eight other movies that are about a dude <laughs> and a semi trying to kill somebody. Was it that movie Convoy? I don't remember. Road <laughs> Games. Was it Smokey and the Bandit? Was there was there a semi Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> 
I don't think people are mistaking this movie for Smokey and the Bandit. Like, just for the record, I don't feel obligated to state that that's incorrect. Mm. This be better to be mistaked for like Cannonball Run, maybe. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I can't abide that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, remember Dom DeLuise was in that tiny red car driving around. And... <laughs> I mean, it's definitely got Burt Reynolds in it. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the mustache. There it is. Uh, so it sounds like we all love Duel. Um, there is some 70s-ness to it, so if you haven't seen it, just be aware. But I think it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it before. Yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Um, if you're if you're a genre film fan or, or if you're just, uh, like an air quotes student of film that you just like to... Mm-hmm. to see influential movies like you can see so much in this movie about oh, like i say jaws is a, in some ways a remake of this um mm-hmm. it's obviously a lot more complicated and has three guys on a boat instead of one guy in a car but is that, is that we all have to start referring to jaws as duel with a shark <laughs> and honestly because that would be really of, funny and there is, I don't have the trivia in front of me, but maybe one of you, like, there's at one point, like, when the shark dies, they, like, reuse sounds from this movie or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, so, like, it's not like Spielberg would be offended to hear us say that. Yeah, at the end, when the truck goes over the cliff, there is a mild roar in the soundtrack Yeah, to give the impression that, yeah, this was, like, a living sentient being that died, which is why we never see the, the driver. Yeah. Really? And they do kind of do the same thing when the shark dies. I just, all I can imagine is somebody having that conversation and then being like, well, what's Orca? And you'd be like, well, that's that's Jaws with a killer whale. What's Beast? Oh, that's that's Jaws with a squid. What's this movie? That, that's Jaws with a bear. Well, what's Jaws? It's Duel with a shark. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Listen, it's not un, it's not unfair just because it sounds ridiculous doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> no, I 100. No, it is 100 percent headcanon now. That is that is all it can be. But I feel like we should go a step further. And it's like, well, what's Orca? And you're like, well, that's duel with the killer whale. And they're like, what? <laughs> that would confuse people so much more. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> uh. Um, all right. Anything else before we move on to a less fun movie to talk about? No. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll like Duel. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen Duel. Yeah. Although I seem it. to be constantly amazed by people not having seen films that seem like they would be immediately appealing to people. Well, Duel was hard to find for a long time. Now, in the digital era, it's not hard to track down, but. I, I wouldn't have been able to see this in the 90s. It just wouldn't have been an option, right? Yeah, solid point. So I was just looking up that police car exterminator thing. Okay. And apparently, apparently there's memes about fucking this fucking movie, but it's all making fun of... I mean, David Mann is the guy driving the car, and... It's all about making fun of him and how, how like emasculated he is. And one of them is titled "Virgin David Mann versus Chad Truck Driver." 
and it's all these like diagrams of why the truck driver is is better than the fucking uh, doesn't doesn't trust the radiator hose problem. Car ends up overheating. Car only bar- barely gets above eighty miles per gallon or miles per hour. Charlie asks for a sandwich. Paranoid thinking make thinking makes it leave it. Thinking makes it leave. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I I think people underestimate oh, come on. that. Those, oh come those... on, honey. After wife says she almost gets raped. Oh yeah, Fuck it. that is weird. <laughs> yeah, weird that, movie moment. That was the point where I'm like, that's a little too seventies for me, and yeah. it was almost like, okay, either don't have her use the word rape or have him take it more seriously, one or the other. Yeah. Gets angry at stranded school kids in the bus. He tries to help. Uses all of his motivation to speak up to the supposed truck driver. Gets punched by him and is not even the right person. <laughs> Dude, that moment, I like felt so bad. When the the things is not only that I felt bad for the guy when he gets punched by the random guy who he just knocked his sandwich over. When the the cook who or I don't know if he's supposed to be the the owner of the diner, but when he comes out. And he's like, he breaks up the fight and he's like, he basically says like, don't beat him up anymore. Look how pathetic he is. Like, just, he's just laying He's there. a little, look at him, he's a little bitch. <laughs> like, it's like he's, he's not really a man, so you can't really hit him like as if he was, is basically what he says. And then, he, like, the, the other guy leaves and then he just turns to, like, our main character and goes, why don't, why don't you just go? Like, I, you don't even have to pay for your stupid cheese sandwich. Just go. Right. Just like, just we're, we're done with you. Like, you, you're more of a headache than you're worth around here. And it's like, oh, my God, they're so fucking dismissive of this poor guy. And you can imagine, like, he's already been, his wife's already fucking on his case. And now this truck driver's trying to kill him. And then he finally stands up for himself. And not only does he get beat up, but everyone's just, like, calling him a little bitch to his face. Well, he even he even stands up for himself in a dumb way. I mean, I so I have social anxiety. I'm not good in crowds and high pressure situations. If I was sitting in that diner and I saw that truck parked out there, the first thing I would do is stand up and ask the eight people in that room, be like, "Hey, does anybody know who the fuck's truck that is?" Yeah, it's, yeah, that would have been a better way to handle it. Be like, because they just tried to run me off the road like three times. And I'm a little bit terrified of them. And then somebody probably would have went, God damn it, Bill. Are you trying to murder them <laughs> random city <laughs> folks driving through the desert again? <laughs> oh, that's old Bill. Don't mind him. It's old Bill. So, so one of the things on this, on this, whatever the fuck this is, that I guess is supposed to be a positive for the truck driver, says freeze animals out of captivity by breaking their cages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not wrong. Not wrong. And dies like a man. That's what it says next to This is some weird incel meme meme creation or something, but I think it's fucking hilarious. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Well, going from that movie to Spielberg's next TV movie, Noah, do you want to tell us about something evil? I... I guess or whatever this is kind of like a it's a haunted house movie, kind of. The haunted yeah. house they're not, they're not, slash not really. demon possession thing. It's not clear. It's like it, Amityville. That'll be one of my complaints but, about this. It's worse. not clear. 
<laughs> it's hard yeah. to. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm I'm gonna have a real hard time uh, giving you details about this film because I found this film to be so insufferably boring that I had a real hard time paying attention to it while it was on the TV. <laughs> like I would get distracted by anything. Like my phone would beep and I'd be like, "Oh, spam email! I better check to make sure it's not a good coupon." <laughs> Go out uh, good coupons. Now, I mean, from what we said, what we were talking about over chat, literally, they're just taking a family trip, and the wife is like, "Hey, this this uh, farm is for sale. We should buy it." And then Kolchak, the night stalker, is like, "No, it's like two hours away from New York. That would be a long drive." But but I would like it. Well, I guess you're right. And then that day buys it and moves in within like 10 minutes. And then crazy shit starts happening. And by crazy, I mean mildly annoying. It's, yeah. Uh, So I'll push back on you guys a little bit. I do think that a lot of the atmosphere of this movie works. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. there's some some good camera work and stuff like that. I think what this movie lacks is a a cohesive script. Um, Yeah. So that results in some very significant pacing issues because you're right. Like the beginning, it's like, we got to get them in this house and have the first bad thing happen before the first commercial break. It is just like, so like, it's just so forced to get them into the house. And then right away, shit just starts to go bad and weird. And then mm-hmm. there's no build up to it whatsoever. And then I was say it all of it feels forced. Yeah. Even the random like set dressings and stuff, you're still like, that's not what that is. They get whatever they're talking about the star in the bedroom. They're like, uh, it's a demon star, and it's like, no, it's not. That's like a nine pointed mosaic floor star. That is not a pentagram. Like, it's not. Yeah. What, are, what the fuck are you people talking about? Was that just on the floor? And they were like, we'll just say it's a double star. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what what you're saying is this is a made for TV movie from the seventies. Um, it's just, they didn't care is what it comes down to. Right. No. So like a lot, like a lot of what happens in this movie, all, like, first of all, you got a guy spread, like cutting the heads off chickens and spreading the blood around to ward off demons. And they talk about that like three fucking times. Do we ever see him cut the head off a chicken and split some blood around? No. Then why do you keep telling me it's happening? If we're not going to get to see it, like that's ridiculous. Right. But that's again, that's because you can't show that on TV in the seventies. And then a lot of the, like the little shit that happens, you're like, why did that happen? And at the end of the movie, it's not explained or anything you're like, oh, there's a baby yeah. crying in the barn. But why? There's weird jars of goo. OK, but w- w- why? Like, wh- what are those? Like, what is you know what I mean? Other Horse than semen, like other than looking cool in the moment, it's like, what's the point of anything that happens in this movie? And at the end, they're like, the kid's possessed. He's floating. Ah, it's over. Yeah, it's not- it wasn't the mom that was possessed the whole time. It was the kid. Oh, we pulled the wool over your eyes. Oh, did you? Oh, do you guys think that we were supposed to believe the mom was possessed? <laughs> I never got that at all. Okay, no. I, I had no I, idea. I got, I got that. See, and, and here's where another failure of the film. I think that they wanted us to not know if the mom was going crazy or if the house was filled with demons. But the problem is a, the movie's called something evil and that's not what you title a movie about a lady going crazy. And then B, 
the pro- the second problem is that they just didn't play it up enough where it was like it was clear it, it always felt like something was happening that was external to the family and therefore when the wife starts going crazy you're like no yeah obviously she's being attacked by demons and people just don't believe her and, and so there's never that, that tension of not understanding what's going on yeah like there's not i feel like they didn't even try to build up any red herrings in this movie I mean, there is kind of a creepy nephew of a guy, but he doesn't even really do anything that's all that menacing. No, it's so not, I feel I just feel like there should be something that's like, oh, well, maybe it's the neighbors trying to run people off this land because there's oil under it or, you know, some weird Scooby Doo. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, red, red I herring, been there's so nothing. much fucking happier with Scooby Doo ending. It just would have gotten away with it more for you. Yeah. Fucking. Your weird family and your meddling ad exec. Turns out the deaf guy wasn't even deaf. You didn't have to yell at him. <laughs> it's. I mean, obviously, we're not as positive on this movie as the last one. No. Um, it's weird because well, this movie. I don't think Spielberg is either. It's no. obvious on Duel that he cared. He cared a lot. This well, one, it... he did not care, and it's obvious. I don't know if that's true because I think a lot of it is circumstance right i think the last one was made by universal television i think this was made by like cbs if i'm not mistaken so it's a completely different set of executives making the decisions and doling out the budgets and all that stuff right um so it's really not fair to put all the blame on the director in a tv circumstance but i think like yeah he he didn't have a script or he didn't have a richard matheson script to go off of Right. Mm-hmm. So for a, like a young filmmaker who's trying to figure out how to tell a story, it's like, well, what is the story here? You know, we, we kind of jokingly said duel has no plot. It's like just a thing that happens. But this movie is way worse because this movie is, yeah, they move into the house and the house is like possessed or there's demons or the devil or whatever the fuck it is. And a bunch of weird shit happens and it's like well that's not a story a bunch of weird shit happening isn't a story unless you tie all that weird shit back to the evil that is in the house right and they don't really ever do that and and that's that's not necessarily on the director like how do you tell a story that isn't there to tell sure but i feel like there's stuff that he probably could have fought for (laughs) that he just was like maybe I mean, if it wasn't his second made-for-TV movie, I think I'd say, yeah, like, at some point you got to step up and fight for, you know, just say this script isn't good enough, get it rewritten before we make the movie kind of thing. But he wouldn't have had yeah. that authority in 1972. Well, I mean, no, but apparently they wanted to change the ending of Duel after they shot it, and he pretty much told them no, and that if they were going to do it, they'd have to have somebody else direct it because he wasn't going to do it. So they just left it sure there's that because they, they wanted the truck to explode and he's like no i don't want the truck to explode like we should be seeing this creature die essentially we don't want like the quick like explosive ending and then it's over and they're like oh, all right i guess we'll do whatever stevie wants but then next year cbs is like fuck you steve you'll never be anybody and he's like, look, I'm three years away from making Jaws. I ain't got time for this shitty TV movie. Let's just wrap it up. Yeah. Well, because there are there are times in this movie, like there's a party scene and then where they 
he's just moving the camera around and it's like you're like oh this is a steven spielberg scene and it's not necessarily anything particularly exciting plot wise or anything you can just see a good filmmaker is making this particular scene and then it results in them being able to see these red eyes in the window in the background when they have like camera shots from that party and all that which again you're like okay that's cool that was well done why are the red eyes in that window we don't ever get an explanation for that no it's just like it so it's just these it's just throwing these tropes at us basically every trope of a haunted house movie is being thrown at us i don't think any of them are done poorly i just don't think they're cohesive Mm -hmm. yeah there's not a lot of trivia for those movies i don't know what the uh scene stuff was like i think i went to like i can't remember if it was either the wikipedia page or the imdb page and they like the plot description is like four sentences and they don't even get the job of the main character right they indicate that he's like a tv producer (laughs) and it's like all right well that's that's not cool yeah yeah this one's hard to talk about uh hard not recommend i don't like there's there's only one reason to watch this film and that is you're a steven spielberg fanatic completionist and you have to see every movie that he's ever done that's that's it yeah i am I don't completely disagree with that. I think you guys are a little more dismissive of it than I am. I think a lot of the individual elements of the film are done okay, like better than you expect for this movie from this era. But overall, the product just isn't... It's not something I would recommend to people. Mm -hmm. Although, if you're interested, it is on YouTube in whole, so... Mm -hmm. It's actually one one of the things I was going to bring up is why is this an hour and 15, but duels an hour 30, but you explained that in our last discussion. Yep. Yep. Cause I believe that was, that was the thing. It was only like an hour and 15 minutes and they're like, Oh fuck, we need another 15 minutes. Come up with three yeah. scenes real quick. Um, I don't know anything, anything else. Anybody wants to talk about this? Movie? No, no, it's horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, we, so, so here's here's the thing. I'm I'm probably being harder on it than I should. So it is not uh, the worst movie I've ever seen by any means, but it is the height of like medium, if that makes sense. It is it is mediocrity embodied, <laughs> which to me is the worst. I would rather watch a bad movie than a meh movie. Well, yeah, and. To your point, like there's dialogue in the beginning of this movie when they're discussing whether or not to buy the house where it's like it's a two hour commute to town. And then the rest of the movie, he does that commute. And we're like, OK, so this, I, I think I just put like, that in for the fact that she keeps calling him home over and over and over again. Yeah. Movie, and you're like, you bitch, it's a two hour drive. But but four hours a day of driving is an awful lot. And I think, feel like if you're going to draw attention to the fact that this guy's doing four hours a day of driving on top of his eight hour workday, you're going to want to like that's going to want to be plot relevant. If you're going to want to do that. And they just it's just not it never really comes back mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. then, like there's actually one point where like because they've hired a guy to farm the land and then they end up having to fire him off screen and. Like, he's like, oh, I'm home late tonight, but I'll talk to the guy tomorrow. And it's like, no, you're home late every night because you're an ad exec in New York City. So you're you're going to be in the office till six every night. 
because there's no working from home in 1972. <laughs> so it's like you're you're off at six every night. You're coming home. The kids are already in bed like you're an absentee parent because you're then leaving the house at six the next morning. Like it's and again, that should have been plot relevant. And it would have been easy to write that into the script where, you know, you could play up the fact that is this mom going nuts because she's stuck home alone all day and is this commute drive causing this tension between them because he's blaming her for the fact that he's always tired and easy to add in and they just didn't because nobody cared. Mm, yeah. Good times. Yeah, no, I know. It's not, it's not what we were saying. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Would we would we be as disappointed in this movie if it wasn't a Steven Spielberg movie? Uh, difficult to say because would we have ever watched it if it wasn't a Steven Spielberg movie? It's true. Interestingly enough, the, for a while I was kind of into it. I'm just like, okay, all right, I kind of get what's going on. Okay, that's kind of weird, creepy. Sure, why not? And then eventually I was like, okay, well. Should be wrapping should be wrapping stuff up now. Probably heading heading into the finale. And then I check the time and I'm like, this movie's only half over. <laughs> because that's the pacing issues that I was referencing early. Yeah. They rush into everything at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then all the weird shit just hits right away. And then it just keeps going on and on. And it's just like instead of telling a story about this family that moves into this house and has this thing happen to them. They're just showing us thing after thing happened to this family. And it's all just weird shit. And again, individually, I think most of the stuff works. It's just, but don't just throw weird shit at the screen constantly and expect me to give a damn about it. Because eventually you get bored of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a miss for me, Stevie. Sorry. Yeah. Take that, Spielberg. Your 1972 (laughs) TV movie, we don't recommend it to both of our listeners. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know. why don't you go cry into your piles of money, you piece of shit? <laughs> uh, he does. He's got so much goddamn money. He does shit like uh, the fucking Joker from Dark Knight, where he just sets that giant pile of money on fire. <laughs> That's just him every night. He's like, I'm bored. I'm just gonna light this pile of money on fire. Somebody else already sure. go to space this week. Yeah, I don't have to go to space then. I guess I'll just light this money on fire. <laughs> I wallpapered my bedroom in $100 bills. <laughs> Why does he talk like Jack Nicholson? Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. I know uh, we've probably watched a lot of shit since uh, <laughs> since the last time we recorded, but instead of reviewing everything, maybe we'll talk about a couple things. Although, Doug, I guess you didn't watch a whole lot since, you know, you were homeless for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most casual way anyone's referred to it as. But all right. <laughs> Super hard to watch things on a crispy ass TV. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, did they, did they figure out what causes the fire yet? I mean, I know it was your neighbor's house, but did they like tell you like, oh, she 
fell asleep smoking a cigarette or nothing nothing's on. official in there for I don't I prefer not to repeat it but nothing official the Fair lithium enough. batteries in her dildo just went up so when they rebuild your house are they building two separate houses or are they rebuilding it back as like a duplex they will they, they will be rebuilding the same style of house so it'll still be yeah. connected to the Fuck. person who burned down my house Fuck. And one would presume that would make it hard to sell the house and move if you're like, why are you moving? Well, that lady over there burned the house down once and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> uh, well, that blows. You tell them to put like a double firewall in or something. Well, see, the problem, and I never thought about this until my house burned down, is like, yeah, that firewall goes between the two houses. But fire will go up and over. It'll go around the outside. It'll do all sorts of shit because that wall is still there. Or not anymore because they tore it down. But it it was still there. The problem is the fire just found its way around once it got like, big uh, enough. Good old firewall did its job. It did. It's... Uh, all right. Well, Noah, what, what have you watched since? So many fucking things. But, but I'll condense it. Uh so I did start watching Wellington Paranormal since uh, yeah. they, they're releasing that on uh, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's only three episodes so far, right? That have been. Uh, I think fourth one was on Sunday. I don't know. So maybe I'm missing one. Well, it was on CW on Sunday. They may not have put it up on HBO yeah. Max yet. I don't know. Yeah, I would say... It's not quite as funny as what we do in the shadows. Agreed. But it's still it's still fucking delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and they have that great like that. Uh, New Zealand kind of has the same sense of humor that a lot of like European stuff does. Where they I don't know, there's this humor about being stupid and dry like that's. <laughs> That's all it is. It's like all these people are dumb and they speak very dry and there's all sorts of fucking crazy stuff going on around them. (laughs) Deal with that. Here's a bunch of uh, pod people plant monsters with dicks. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a high recommend. It's pretty fun. Uh, And then I went I picked up the AMC A-list thing. Just because the rest of the year, there's at least one movie coming out every single week the rest of the year that I want to see. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be seeing a lot of movies. Yeah. So what did you go see? But because of that, I started going to a bunch of movies that I probably wouldn't go to. So, uh, well, the two I'll talk about, I went and saw Snake Eyes. Okay. It's all right. I don't, I don't hate it. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I don't a fine endorsement. Well, it's it's kind of hard to explain. So I don't I don't super get into a very specific style of action movie, but it's it's hard to describe what exactly that is because people conflate things. So like Transformers, bad, right? Bad. Mm-hmm. Marvel movies, good. Uh, GI Joe, bad. <laughs> Shazam, perfectly fine. You know, that's, that stuff's great. Like I don't, it, and there's it's similar spectacle style movies, but I don't. Sure. It's, it, there's a very fine line in this area that either makes me love it or hate it. 
but this one, it's like it, it's a pseudo supernatural ninja movie. It's got cool okay. fight scenes in it. Uh, mm. They didn't make the mistake that G.I. Joe and uh, like the DC movies did there for a while where they flooded you with characters. So instead, it's, you know, it, it's a Snake Eyes movie and the main character is Snake Eyes. And we spend almost the entire movie with that character. Mm. There's maybe three or four additional characters that are in it, but they either play small parts or a big enough part that they matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. But but not all the extra shit. And they don't focus a whole lot on G.I. Joe and Cobra. Cobra is involved and G.I. Joe is kind of involved, but they kind of once again, they they kind of did it more like a Mar- Marvel movie where they kind of side reference this stuff. And they're like, we're going to get deeper into that shit later. Yeah. But so it works. The supernatural yeah. stuff was interesting. Because I, I thought that was it's definitely a different tact that they went with than the previous G.I. Joe stuff where they were trying to justify absolutely everything with uh, magic technology instead of magic, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of dumped that in the second one. But yeah. Yeah, but but it worked. Fight scenes are cool. Lots of people with swords stabbing each other. I'm into it. Yeah, the biggest issue I've had is... It just feel like a character like Snake Eyes is better when you just don't know anything and he's not the main focus of stuff. I I think I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't this, like this my movie, Snake Eyes to talk. I was so. getting ready to say this movie taken on its own is great. I'm not going to say it's a great adaptation of the G.I. Joe character. Sure. But I don't. I don't think that exists. I don't think there is such a thing as a great adaptation of the G.I. Joe character. Even G.I. Joe. <laughs> the toy. The toy was the best adaptation because everybody wanted the cool ninja toy. Yeah, and I've not really read them, but I've heard the comics are actually what a lot of fans really enjoy as far as storytelling goes. Yeah, and that might be true. I've never read the comics. Yeah, me neither. But yeah, so I would say if you want like a dumb ninja action movie... It's fine. Go see it. Like, I don't. I'm not going to say it's like go see it IMAX right now. Oh, you know, it's it's not like that. But it's like, all right, Ninja Stabby Stab. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. That's what that A list is good for. You're yeah. Like, well, nor- normally I, was, I wouldn't go to IMAX, but since I have the option to, that's that's what I was getting ready to say. I was like, that ticket costs more, and I'm gonna I'm gonna always get the most expensive ticket I can get because. <laughs> I'm I'm paying for a thing, so fuck fuck them, fuck them for giving me a responsibility. Uh, and then I went and saw Old, the new M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong movie. Yeah, and it's it's all right. Uh, it, so it was pretty good. I love that all three of your reviews so far have been like it's okay. Well, so so I have a problem like. The, M. Night Shyamalan has a very specific voice that comes out in movies every once in a while. And this one's got it real thick. Like you can if nobody told you this was an M. Night Shyamalan movie, you would know it was, if that makes sense. The way the characters talk. Does he cast himself as the greatest writer in the world? <laughs> he is in the movie. Of course he is. Oh, well, there you go. 
Yeah, he does that in every movie. I don't have a problem with that. But I mean, the basic the basic plots in the trailer are basically these people go to a resort, they end up on a beach, and on that beach, all of a sudden, you begin to age very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's additional complications where you can't leave the beach. It's just impossible. If you try to walk away from the beach, you pass out and you walk back on your own accord. Mm. Uh. And then a whole lot of stuff goes on. I don't want to like get too deep in because it's kind of spoilery. Just because it's all the consequences of them aging quickly is the kind of the plot of the movie. It's kind of the point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's of course, there's a thing afterwards because there's a a M. Night Shyamalan-esque wrap up at the end, kind Mm -hmm. of. Although it's not quite (laughs) it's not quite what I would call a twist. Right, because yeah. you kind of you, there's a good chance you've guessed what's happening by the end of the movie because it's kind of a mystery of why this, why all these people are at this beach and what they all have in common and all that kind of stuff. So does it turn out somebody gains the power to reverse and for their aging, like a superhero? So they're going to go fight Bruce Willis in the next movie? <laughs> no, definitely not that. Well, that's boring. <laughs> Not that. But I, I will tell you this. It, they actually managed to pull off a couple things in the film that are consequences of the the rapid aging that you might not think about. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them are pretty. Like, there's a couple what the fucks in it. <laughs> and there's even one or two very special tender moments that you that like I, I think I, I came pretty close to squirting a tear at one point because you know there's <laughs> right. that there's the whole idea of people reaching their twilight years immediately you know what I mean like it's 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 fucked up yeah I don't know for some reason this one just wasn't grabbing me but Amanda has expressed interest in possibly going to see it. And we have a list, so it's kind of free. So I'm just yeah. kind of like, eh, all right. Yeah, I would totally, I would totally say go see it. So it's um, it's not as good as the, the great Shyamalan stuff. You know, it's not going to, in which I don't think he's ever going to again, which is a sad no. thing to say about a person who's in the middle of their career. But sorry, dude, it's, it's Sixth Sense, you kind of hit your stride and you're done. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, you've made other okay stuff, but none of it's ever going to, you just lucked out. You kind of hit the peak. But it's not garbage like the garbage Shyamalan stuff. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the village. Yeah, it's not the village. Although I would say it has a whole lot of themes kind of in common with it because of the isolation and the, the cutoffness of what's going on on the beach. Mm. But yeah, it's totally worth a watch. Go, go fucking see it. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, but I think it's all stuff we're all going to end up talking about. Oh, He-Man okay. and all that. Uh, what'd you watch, Doug? I, I really have nothing until we get into the common oh, stuff. Okay. I did watch the NHL playoffs. That wow. conveniently happened while we were Sports. not recording. So, yeah, I can, I, we can go through it all if you want. Who Sorry. who won? Was it the 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 West Quebec skate guys? Was it yeah. The Pittsburgh yeah. Poutines. 
Pittsburgh. Really? That's, <laughs> that that's it. A fucking team. Yeah. Uh, All right. We could talk about Fear Street. No, I didn't. No, I hasn't seen him. But we both have. But me and you have, yeah. Yeah. Can get into that if you want. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Fear Street 1994. Uh, Doug was saying during the break that he was really excited when he found out these were R.L. Stein movies after That's he watched the first one. Sort of the opposite of what I said. Um, oh, okay. It, it, Wait, what so I these said are is like goosebumps. No, these are like uh, teen girl books he wrote in the '90s. Fear Street. Mm. Um, I mean, these are original stories; so they're not taken from any specific storyline. Um, but yeah, I'd say there's some at least some decent gory stuff in some of these. Some of it's okay. That mm-hmm. the the first one I bought. You know how sometimes like something loses you moments in. Sure. So Fear Street 1994 opens with what is very clearly an homage to Scream, totally. which came out which came out in 1996. Yeah. So fuck this whole series of films. I, yes, I, I admit to watching the rest of them, but the whole time I, I couldn't stop thinking: How do you homage something that comes out two years after your movie's set? How are they even knowing to homage it theoretically? <laughs> yeah, but I mean they do that for I mean at least the first two. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is that is weird that that is the exact idea. Whenever you started saying fuck that, I was going to really be like, yeah, Doug, fuck Scream. Scream sounds. <laughs> but, but that is not at all what you were saying. No, not at all. But then it is the same thing because then the next one is set in 1978, but it's a camp slasher movie. But in 1978, slasher movies took place in the suburbs. They weren't set at camps yet. So what the fuck? Why Why would you do that? <laughs> Just call it Fear Street 1996 and Fear Street 1980 and everything would be fine. I don't know. It didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you. Uh, it was just one of those things. I, I, I saw other why. people. So the other people, because the first one said 94. So there's a ton of 90s music in it. I loved the music. Yeah, which I had no problem with, but I've seen other people pointing out, like, well, this song didn't come out until 1995, so technically they couldn't be. I'm just like, dude, relax. Uh, see, I it, I made it a point. It was like, you know, pause, look in the mirror, do not Google when these songs came out. You're just <laughs> going to be mad about it. You're just going to be angry if you find out one came out after the movie. It's like, oh, this came out in December of 94? It never would have been playing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go to uh, first of all we would have to climb in a time machine because we would need to go back to when conventions were way more fun than they are now but yeah, just great. go to a convention with Doug and watch Doug just flip out on some random person in a booth about the minutiae of their film <laughs> be like that came out in 1982 your movie set in 1983 you fucking fuck <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine that's what it's like when Doug goes to conventions. It's no, it isn't. Trust me. Okay. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, the first one is set up very much like a Scream movie. The opening is very much an homage to Scream. It's basically the Scream opening, but set in a mall instead of someone's house. Yeah. 
Yeah, and shenanigans ensue, and teenagers have to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Did uh, Did you just not care? Because that's the problem I was having with the movie. I just didn't care. Um. No, for this one, I actually enjoyed it. I was yeah. kind of into it for for a majority of it. Uh, the the seventy eight one, I did start to have a moment of not caring. Oh, see, here's the, about thing. the middle of it. We're the opposite on this, then. Yeah. And I have a theory. I have a theory that they actually did a good job of making this like a '90s movie, and that yeah. I just don't care about '90s movies. That's <laughs> okay. Like, we've we've talked about it on this podcast before that like the acting style that was popular in around 94 to 96 is not my cup of tea and you know a lot of those other elements of it and i think they actually maybe did too good a job of copying it because like i i was like checking with everybody i'm like did how much better is the acting in part two compared to part one and everybody seemed to agree and i'm like and it was only later i'm like oh because they were homaging 90s movies and acting sucks in 90s movies i think they did that on purpose (laughs) you think so maybe i don't know or i was just desperately trying to give them credit for something (laughs) other than a couple of clever kills (laughs) um yeah so i mean i don't know the basic story all these killers from the past keep showing up and they need to figure out why. I mean, that's kind of stretches throughout all three movies, but they kind of set all that shit up in the first movie. Yeah. And why this one town seems to have a lot of shit going on. Yeah. And then what is it at the end? They find out there, there was a survivor from the last big massacre from 1978. Yes. They need to go talk to her. And then of course that, segues into Fear Street 1978 which of course is all told in flashback when she's at summer camp and a dude in like a uh, burlap mask with an axe just kills everybody yeah just an obvious reference to movies from 1978 not 1982 (laughs) it's referencing the town of dreaded sundown come on oh yeah that's what they were going for (laughs) I did uh, like that it opens with like a, a very 80s esque scene of them are like about to murder this girl because she stole 10 bucks. Yeah. And then they're like, well, if we don't kick her, them out of camp for murdering you, we won't kick you out of camp for stealing their $10. And everyone's like, fine, that'll be the deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what just happened? They're no, literally like, like burning her with a lighter while she's tied to a tree. And <laughs> then the camp counselor's like, well, did you steal their $10? Those crimes so are the same the crimes, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, probably don't need a deep dive, but yeah, somebody gets possessed and starts killing a bunch of people with an axe. Yeah. And it plays out like a summer camp slasher movie. Uh, the only thing that uh, I was not a fan of in this one specifically is there's a scene uh, where they find a series of caves. Yeah. And then we find out that there's an outhouse positioned right above an opening in the cave. And people think they're going to escape through this. And the, so the plan is just to climb up a giant pile of shit and climb up through the outhouse. And I'm like, no, I don't want to watch this if this is what this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, it never, con- I, it never I really I happens. Can't con- I can't contradict your point. I get like when that's happening, nobody's going, oh, that's a really good idea. Climb the shit. No. Climb, definitely climb the shit. But I'm like, why is this in this movie? Like, why couldn't they just be like, oh, it's an opening into the kitchen or something? 
why is it specifically like oh look there's the hole for where people sit down to shit in the outhouse and why did someone be like well there's a giant hole here already we should probably just put the outhouse over top of it Ugh, so gross uh and then the third movie goes back to 1666 and wraps the whole story up with the flashback tale of somebody who they thought was a witch so they killed her yeah i don't know that was probably my least favorite one um no 94 was my least favorite one yeah yeah um dogs really got a hard on for these 90s horror movies it was yeah which is weird because i still watched the other two because Mm -hmm. whatever um (laughs) but yeah i i don't know i a lot of this just feels like oh right like it's when I realized that R is R.L. Stein, the the one through fair from all three movies is that it's like, oh yeah, this was written for twelve year old girls. Okay, uh, if I'd known that, maybe I would never would have started watching them. Uh, it's just like there's the whole subplot that plays out in '94 and in '1660 whatever, where it's like because the girls are lesbians and their moms don't want them to be lesbians in the '90s, and then it's the townsfolk that are criticizing for being like and it's like i don't care about that yeah. like like it's not i think i've said this before but like we're we're kind of past that where it's like oh is that going to be your big plot point in your movie is that they're gay and people don't like it when they're gay like i don't find that interesting anymore you know what i mean it's I, yeah but like you've kind of said maybe we're not the ones who need to find that interesting or not that's true. That's true. Maybe it's written for an audience of people for whom that is still an important message, and that's fine. For yeah. me, as just a film fan, it's like, okay, that's a, a trope that existed for a while, and now we've moved past it. Yeah. Obviously, it was funny. We were watching the 1666 one, actually, last night, and Amanda's, like, questioning, like, well, why is that guy, like, running around? I'm like, Amanda, there are lesbians in town. How do you expect him to act? <laughs> it is funny it's like they're like so upset about it and it's like all right a little it's kind obvious, of obvious cartoonish obviously possessed top. by the devil yeah that's i don't know yeah, i feel so, like we're not doing a great job analyzing these movies but i just feel like they don't no, necessarily but, deserve to be analyzed much better than this man this is i was really gonna it. say i do like the fact that there's movies that are taking the newer approach now where a character maybe has um, uh, of a feature like that, something LGBTQ that's just absolutely not addressed. It's just yeah. like, that's just who that character is, and they just move on. And just so, just to like double down, I, I don't, I'm not complaining that there were gay characters in the movie. I'm comparing that they made it into the full plot point in two different of the movies set in two different time frames. Like, right. That that's. That's my thing. Was that like I guess like the in the olden times one, it would have been made more sense to me, but I just I don't know. Yeah, don't I was just thinking of some, something along the lines of Have you guys Have you guys watched uh, any Rutherford Falls? No. So Rutherford Falls it has has two things going for it. Number one, uh, ha- like half the cast is Native American, which is a. Uh, hugely underrepresented group in, in, in especially television. 
that's kind of changed in the last couple of years, but still still needs some work. And it has a lot to do with this dude's rich family in the reservation that's next to it and all that kind of stuff. But they deal with it in a pretty funny yet respectful way. But there is the character that plays like his assistant is very much uh, gender fluid. I, I guess is the proper term because androgynous isn't exactly correct, but. But that's never displayed as a negative in any way. Like there's no rednecks rolling into town and, and throwing that person in a trash can or anything like that. It's just yeah. like, no, that's just this person and that's just who they are. And it's and while that person is a comedic character, their sexuality is not a joke. If that makes sense. Yeah. Which is great, which which I, I, I don't know. There's there's something about that level of progress that I, makes me so fucking happy. Yeah, there's a couple of shows I don't even remember off the top of my head that I've been watching lately where a character turns out to be gay, but it wasn't like they were waiting for a big reveal. It was just, I don't know, they just like, oh, that person's got a girlfriend. Oh, I didn't even think about that, I guess. And then it's not like a big deal and doesn't it's not addressed and just that's been the character the whole time. And I never paid attention, which is fine. I think it's great. But like Doug said, pretty in your face in these two movies. It's yeah, it's just why'd you have to move away to sunny side? Because my mom doesn't want me to be around you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I've watched worse movies. <laughs> So it's fine. And again, Amanda was, was, you know, prime uh, candidate for those books when she was in school. So she was really excited about it. So it's just something we watched together. All right. Um, anything else before I move on, Doug? Nah, move on. Uh, so the other night at about 11 o'clock at night, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched in a long time. Heat. Oh, I should I should rewatch that. Are you still yeah. watching it right now? Well, <laughs> th- this is this is a point. At eleven o'clock at night, I decided I should rewatch Heat at some point, and then I decided, well, I mean, I'm just sitting here. I I could go to sleep, I guess, but I could watch Heat instead. So I turned on the three hour director's cut. Like, let's go. And uh, in my head, said, well, I'll watch like half of this, and then I'll stop it, and I'll go to sleep. And then I'll watch the rest tomorrow. Um, and then I went to bed at three in the morning after having watched the entire thing. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time. And I mean, that movie's still fucking amazing. I I have not watched Heat since I was in high school. Yeah. It, and I think I can honestly say this with with firm certainty. I will never watch that movie again for the rest of no. my life. It's too long. Sure. It's, I guess. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, I had time for it at yeah. 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I don't agree that like I have an issue with movies being too long. But I think if you're in the right mood, a movie being that long isn't necessarily problematic. And Heat is an example of a good long movie where it's like... I don't think you feel the length when you watch it. I haven't watched it in a little while because it is long and you have to be in the mood and have that kind of time. But 
It, oh yeah, I mean, I got completely pulled in, which is why I ended up watching the whole thing and not not shutting it off halfway through. I don't know. I remember my it was my older brother's favorite movie for a very long time, and all I remember is him getting it on DVD, and it was the only movie I've ever seen where they had to split the movie into two DVDs. <laughs> I had the Braveheart the way they had to switch the VHS into two DVDs, so I wasn't surprised. I was prepared for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's still fucking amazing. Like I still absolutely loved it and hadn't seen it in like twenty years and forgot all the people that were actually in this movie. Like I forgot Henry Rollins was in it. Natalie Portman. You can stop listing people. Look. It's everybody. I think the it, only it person not in heat is Bill Cosby, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that Bill Cosby's in <laughs> <laughs> You could be right. Now I'm trying to go. I'm going back through my head because there are shots of people watching TV. If he just happens to be on the Cosby show on the TV. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's amazing. The fucking scene where Al Pacino and Rob De Niro just sit down. I mean, that's just cold. It's yeah, it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't rewatched Heat in a while, I would highly recommend giving it another shot. Uh, and then last time my friend Tim was over who I was trying to help educate him on movies he hadn't seen and uh, I had a stack of movies and I'm like well, what do you want to watch and he's like well Edge of Tomorrow looks pretty cool and I was like alright we can watch Edge of Tomorrow and we watched it and he liked it and I'm like well, what do you want to watch now and he's like I've never seen The Rock and I'm like you've never seen The Rock come on man so we watched The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage you know what my favorite part of Edge of Tomorrow is? So, the, the book it's based on. It, mm-hmm. The name of that book is All You Need Is Kill. Right. It's the dumbest fucking name of a book ever. <laughs> so like, it's still way better than the movie. Oh, the my God. Name. Dumb, dumb fucking name. It's an okay book. Dumb fucking name. Um, so we watched The Rock and had a glorious time. And then asked him if he'd seen Con Air. And he said no, but it was like 2.30 in the morning. So I'm like, well, next time we watch movies, we're watching Con Air. So just prepare yourself. Con Air is every bit as crazy as you remember it being. I watched it not too long ago. It was one of those movies that I thought it was funny when it showed up on Disney+. And it was like, (laughs) it's it's the most ridiculous, stupid movie imaginable. But it's right in that like era where they were doing a good job of making those stupid movies. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's one of those things that if you just... If you walked into a dark room and startled somebody by reading that cast list, they would be confused and upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I showed him the trailer and he's like, is Buscemi in this? I'm like, he sure fucking is. Yeah. Fucking Buscemi and John Malkovich and Danny Trejo and <laughs> Bing uh, Rames. Bing Rames. Uh, Dave Chappelle. Don't forget Dave, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. Nick Cage. <laughs> What the fuck? Like everybody is somebody in that movie. Yeah, fucking John Cusack. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited for our next next sit down to watch fucking Con Air. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Um. All right. Well, should we? I guess announce what we're doing next week and then talk about Master of the Universe and Loki in case people don't. Want to be spoiled, I guess? I guess. Sure. Yes. Sure. Why not? So, Noah, what are we watching next week? We're doing Kai July anyway. No. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, 
No, we'll just do that. Yes. Maybe we'll yeah, do Noah, that for Christmas. Noah has come up with this conspiracy theory that Doug purposely burned his house <laughs> yeah, down. Doug, Doug so he wouldn't be able house. to do Kaiju July or Kaiju he, July. He hates my theme months. <laughs> I do hate your theme months, but I did like my house. So, <laughs> uh, so what so, are we watching? So we are going to do... I'm deciding between two now. The stuff in Full Moon High. Right. I've never seen Full Moon High, but you can always watch this stuff. Marshall I've never Noble seen Fluffy. either of those movies, just so we're clear. Ooh. Ooh. I believe well, I, I put them on the list because of that. So, uh, Is it because you had them on DVD and now you don't? No, I think they're both on 2B, actually. Oh, okay. That's what I'm most concerned about. Like, all your precious sentimental items, you know, like photographs and items that mean a lot to you because like your son was born and stuff i'm like yeah yeah that's stuff but what happened to doug's movie collection oh you've also you've also got all those unopened dvds that you never watched (laughs) they will forever be unopened it was like like something like four days after the fire i just got like a facebook message from a guy and it, Hmm? it just said oh my god i just realized your copy of leprechaun 4 was probably in the house wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like yeah yeah I get it <laughs> did the firefighters just that find is... like a giant gelatinous like fused like plastic like boulder in the middle of where your basement was no it's off just, in the corner I just um, love the fact that somehow that guy was being both uh, an earnest friend and just fucking taking the piss out of you. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he was taking the piss out at all. I think he was genuinely concerned about my movie. So, so part of me looks at this two ways. It's it sucks that your your movie collection is gone, but it is kind of exciting that you get to start all over again. Yeah, I'm still debating whether to even do that. You just go full digital from now on. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm probably because I'm in a temporary residence for sure for a while, and I'm gonna have to move anything I buy over the course of the next year. I probably won't be buying anything like that. Sure, you could also start and, making the move to 4K. Yeah. Well, I'm also holding off buying a really nice TV until I get my house back. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. So all that stuff is in the air, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because when you lose like everything you've ever collected your whole life, it's like, oh, I guess I shouldn't collect things then. <laughs> so it's like, like yeah. techni- technically, I own less collectibles now than I did the day after the fire because I actually like, like there's certain things I can't remember if they were in the house or not. So I like went to my parents' house and like went in their storage room and like found some of my old stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's a, a few things in here that I that are saved. And I'm like, but then again, they were in storage at my parents' house, so I actually just sold them. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, I, I guess I just, I, I obviously didn't need these, or they wouldn't be here. So now, yeah. now in my head canon, is your house burned? Werner Herzog was standing outside of your house narrating the entire thing, <laughs> and the fire burned, destroying everything it touched, relieving Doug of his obsessions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, where Herzog? What are you doing here? I just follow the fire trucks around. 
I heard the sound of suffering, and I came. Uh, all right, so we're doing the stuff and full moon high for next episode. Um, so then we're going to talk about Loki and then Masters of the Universe. So if anybody doesn't want to be spoiled by those, show it off now. Yes, yes we haven't talked about Black Widow either. I haven't oh, seen yeah. it. Yeah, Doug hasn't seen it. The fuck, Doug? I know. <laughs> He's I know. been a little busy. Plus, it's like Jesus. 25 What could possibly be more here? important? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing is it's $25 to watch it at home here and I'm just like $25 Steve, why would uh, you just go to the theater you don't have a house <laughs> well I yeah but our theaters have only been open for like a week and I'm still don't trust other people oh, yeah, I guess that's a fair point because because uh, we may be going back uh, to a lot of a lot of shit down here in Illinois so well yeah you guys people are stupid I laughed because, like, you guys are making fun of us for having a slow uh, vaccine rollout, like, the last time we talked. And now we've just surpassed you guys because you guys have just hit the limit of people who are willing to listen to what doctors say. There's just, there's still lots of vaccine available. There's just no people who are willing to take it. We're having to give it away to other countries before it expires. I know. And you've given so much to us that we're doing really, really well now. I do wish... I do wish without a civil war, we could just carve out an area, maybe three or four states, maybe like New Mexico and Arizona and a couple of those hot, miserable places that nobody (laughs) wants to go to anyway and be like, oh, you fucking idiots. You can just have that. Just you just go there. Free land. No ownership, no taxes. We don't care. You're just never allowed to come back out of there and interact with normal people again. Yeah, I'm sure that would go well. Go to your go to your self-made libertarian hell and burn. Uh, so Loki. <laughs> Speaking of, so we get to see Loki doing a bunch of uh, crazy time travel shit. Yeah. Um. So what did everybody think about it? It was fun. Hmm. I don't I don't think I liked it as much as I liked WandaVision or uh, Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. But I'm I still liked it. Agree. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think I think part of the problem is, and, and since you guys have watched it, pretty much I watched the first episode and made a prediction and then was 100% correct. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is what's going to happen in this show. And I was right about all of it. So I think my bigger complaint about it is that it's completely alters the entire universe in every way, but it all kind of played out like silly action movie stuff. It reminded me of a DC movie where you're like, what are the stakes of this? It didn't feel like it had stakes, but it's changing everything we know about the universe. So that should feel like it has a lot more stakes. It shouldn't feel like it. It shouldn't be as fun when you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, everything that you've ever seen was controlled by this one guy. And then it's like, want to see how funny it is when he pops around because he doesn't want to get stabbed. That kind of stuff kind of. I do. I do think it was interesting that. So obviously it's only six episodes, so it's a short show, but the first three or four episodes stuff stuff happens and there's revelations and there's all this, there's character growth and blah, 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 blah. But you hit Third those. Third episode was very boring. 
But you hit those last couple episodes, and then all of a sudden it's just like every fucking one of the moments that I was like, ha ha ha, or holy fuck, you know what I mean? They were all those last two episodes. For sure. When Alligator Loki bites President Loki's hand off. Uh, it's, I just, crocodile. I just, it's, I, it's Crocodile Loki, thank yeah, you, because his I, name is Crokey. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> I just about shit my pants. I was so unprepared <laughs> for that one fucking moment. Because whenever it jumps up and it bites him, you're just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. He's got that crocodile on his arm that he's got to shake off. And then it's like, nope, rip, blood spray. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a crocodile. <laughs> yeah, I just enjoyed the presence of the crocodile overall. Whenever, like, it, whenever the group of them were standing there and that crocodile was just at their feet, like, I'm here too, guys. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Just, like, throw him in a kiddie pool. Yeah. I like I like what they did with uh, old Triple M. He's Because oh. he's kind of a weird character in the comic books, and I was like, I wonder what they're going to do with him. But Owen Wilson was pretty good. Mm. I liked him. Again, I... Part of it, too, is the circumstances I watched it under where I didn't get particularly emotionally involved, you know, when you're. Yeah. And that, that that's that's on me. That's not necessarily on the show. But like I like when everyone started, like when the jet ski moment happened and all the memes popped up, I'm like, oh, you were supposed to be emotional during that. I I, I wasn't as much, you know. Come on, jet ski. <laughs> uh <laughs> I was, I was a little disappointed the that the helicopter. Oh, the yeah, the Thanos copter was ridiculous. <laughs> I was I was also a little disappointed that they never bring up the fact. So Mobius in the comic books, I don't know if you guys know this, but his name is Mobius M. Mobius. Okay, which which insinuates his name is Mobius Mobius Mobius, <laughs> which is pretty fucking funny. It's pretty fucking funny for a time travel character. <laughs> I'm a little sad that they don't bring that up. That's pretty nitpicky to get complaining about. <laughs> and, and that's coming clever. from me. It's a, it's a clever name. And for them never to bring up the fact that his name is Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. Oh, I mean, they're doing a second season, so still time. I, I liked it all. What'd you guys think of Kang? Or at least that version of Kang? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, he, I loved his weird, quirky performance. But I knew, like... Yeah, but this isn't like Kang. This is this is this is this character, and the next time we see him, right. he's going to be like like Thanos level, like evil. So, well, the, you know what the funny thing is? So, I don't. How how deep are you guys in on your Kang knowledge? <laughs> you guys read a lot of Kang comics. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I know. Yeah, I know some things. I know some things, but I mean, I'm not like, don't know, like every appearance or whatever. Okay. So there's obviously one of the problems with talking about Kang is the fact that there's a bunch of Kangs. Like, it's not just a Kang. There are. It's like the Lokis in this. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Same, same, same idea. Mm. In which this series, they did this twice. So there's two characters in the series that they, they jammed a bunch of different characters together. So female Loki's one of them. So female Loki's actually like three different characters that they just cluster fucked into one person yeah, to they, save time. 
they can't have that much of an orgy going on into Disney Plus shows. So they just had to have it be one guy trying to fuck him, a different version of himself. Right. Like you would expect. <laughs> well, so they took they took the character of Sylv, the character of Lady Loki, and the character of Enchantress, and we're just like, you're one now. <laughs> like which which they which used enchantress on uh agents of shield but i guess that technically doesn't count anymore yeah i think they're saying it's not canon <sighs> which is dumb but whatever it's, but they yeah. are trying to bring in the netflix people now so it's all fucked up yeah but only some of them which makes it even more fucked up oh much much more but i suppose it'll work with now with the the, the, the trick is with the timeline shenanigans they're going to be able to justify anything they want for the next yeah. two two or three years until they resolve kang Mm-hmm. But uh, this version of Kang, so there's um, the He Who Remains isn't a Kang, right? He Who Remains is the last head of the the Time Cops, essentially. Does that make sense? Timekeepers, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and his whole thing is that when the universe ends, he's the last remaining living thing, and he sets it up so that the timekeepers will exist in the next iteration of the universe. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. He's not, that character only matters if you're super into the, the timekeepers and stuff and nobody is because that's dumb shit, (laughs) (laughs) dumb shit, dumb shit from weird comics that nobody gives two fucks about. And then there's Ren Slayer who's, kind of important too, but she's more like a Kang henchman. But but the other thing is, so there's a version of Kang called Immortus, and Immortus is like final boss mode Kang, who he is, he is the most powerful Kang who has lived millennia and millennia and millennia and knows everything and has perfect knowledge of the timeline and is an unstoppable monster and all that kind of shit. And it's interesting that basically they made this version of Kang, that Kang, and then eliminated him. So they were like, we're taking Immortus off the table. So now you just got to fucking figure out what the fuck we're going to do, which is, it was an interesting play. Because it means people like me who read way too many comic books can't go, ah, I know where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Fucking nerds, let's cut them off the knees. Right, so but but it'll it'll be interesting. Especially since I think they even point out the fact that if, if you're paying attention, I think there was something on the desk that might have revealed that. Um, or no, he says his name. He says his name's Nathaniel Richards, right? I think so, yeah. When he's yeah. when he's telling the story. Yeah. Mm. So that I was kind of surprised that they brought that up that early, too, because that means whenever, you know, the Fantastic Four come in, that connection's already there. Because mm. the I I can't remember if they've ever explicitly said it in the comic books, but the assumption has always been that basically Kang is the great grandson of Reed Richards in the future. Yeah, I, I've, be, I've heard that it is officially that, but it's yeah. So the I'm, video, the video I watched afterwards that you know sort of explains everything because Amanda likes to watch those, so she kind of gets all the Easter eggs. Um, yeah, they explicitly said he was related to Reed Richards or whatever. Right, right. They've they've heavily implied it in the comic books a bunch of times, but I don't know if they've ever explicitly stated it. 
But it almost has to be because so Reed Richards' dad, his name is Nathaniel Richards. Mm. I mean, it's uh, pretty like super, okay. super weird if they just went. Yeah, that's an odd coincidence. And yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious <laughs> that. I, I think the assumption is that it's that Kang might be one of Franklin's children in the future. Mm. And it also explains why Kang is super psychotically smart because he's Reed Richards <laughs> uh, progeny. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought that was I don't know. It was interesting that they they put a bunch of cards on the table that I thought that they would keep close to their chest. And it's weird knowing that they basically just brought in the main villain of one of the next upcoming movies. Mm-hmm. In 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 a nonchalant way in one of these TV shows. <laughs> well, and then also be able to say, well, well, I mean, it's technically he wasn't the villain of the upcoming whatever but i mean having that actor show up and lay all the groundwork of what's going to happen kind of makes it easy i guess i think they're going to do that a lot with the disney plus shows i think you're going to see introducing characters so that you don't have to spend the time in the movie giving the backstory for the nerds Mm -hmm. you can just have them kind of show up and the mainstream audiences won't care and then we'll be able to go back and rewatch the show and spend days talking about, you know, all. Oh, remember when he said this line on the in Loki, and, and now look at how he's repeating something similar here and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I like um, because I mean I think we're we're about what what are we twelve years into the MCU now, so we're at a perfect spot where they need to shake a bunch of shit up, and this is a good way to do it. But even shit that didn't seem like it was connected, like the upcoming What If series, that's just like, yeah. oh, they're doing an animated What If series. That'll be a lot of fun. And they've found a weird way to make that like officially Can- canon. Yeah, canon. Yeah. And it's just it like, happened. oh. It just happened in another world. Yeah. It's just like, oh, shit. Like, I thought this was just going to be a fun animated series they were doing. But now they're like, no, this this officially counts. So you can, you can enjoy it. It's just like, oh, shit. All right. Well, at least they're paying attention, and it seems like they know the, what the fuck they're doing. Um, so it sounds like we're all positive on Loki. Yeah, MCU is the MCU, and they just they keep hitting it. They keep doing well enough that even if you have little complaints and stuff, the movies, the stuff's just so fun to watch, and the lore is so deep at this point that it's almost mm-hmm. impossible for them to fail. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting how even whatever they miss it, they still. I mean, it's still so Black Black Widow. That's my position on it. I'd put it in the bottom five of all the MCU stuff, and it's still great. Like, and so if somebody was like, "You want to go watch it again?" I'd be like, "Yeah, let's go watch it." <laughs> I want to watch Scarlett Johansson kick someone in the face. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that one because Doug hasn't seen it yet, but. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's like I enjoyed it enough. And my only complaint was this should have happened before Endgame. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, okay, the other thing we're going to talk about, Masses of the Universe. We've all seen it. I know at least two of us really enjoyed it. So it's time to find out if this is going to be <laughs> if this is going to be an argument on our first uh, episode back. We're all just going to start yelling at each other soon. <laughs> um, so Kevin Smith written somewhat with a writer's room and uh, executive produced and show ran whatever and uh, five episodes 
And supposedly it's supposed to uh, sort of continue on from the 1980s series. And then uh, sets up this whole scenario where, weirdly enough, He-Man and Skeletor are barely in it. Yeah. And fanboys everywhere are super mad about it. Not me. I, I thought it was genius. I did not see it coming. I, like I did plot wise, I had no idea what we were getting involved in here. <laughs> and when the first episode, they like take he more he man and Skeletor off the table, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, okay, let's see where this goes now. And I was super into the like following all the side characters around. It's mm-hmm. I was shocked by who got as big a role as they got. I liked the like the this sort of weird post-apocalyptic universe that they set up within the confines of Eternia, which is already sort of a post-apocalyptic universe. It's it was post-apoc. Yeah. Yeah. So all the magic essentially gets taken away. I mean, there's still people who can use like little bits of magic, but I mean like the magic that sort of keeps everything together is gone. And yeah, it's, it was, I thought it was very interesting. So the big question is what did Noah think? I, I would call myself 80% positive. Okay. I mean, they Kevin Smithed it up a little bit, but that's all right. Explain. He just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. He's, he, <laughs> he's got a thing where somehow he can be on the nose and off the mark at the same time. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know how to explain it. I think my biggest complaint, so taking He-Man off the table was a shock. But I can live with that. But, man, you tell me you're going to have Mark Hamill Skeletor and then you immediately take away Mark Hamill Skeletor. (laughs) That is. I'll I'll admit I was a little bit like, fuck you, Kevin Smith. Fuck you right in your face. Like, (laughs) but there's there's more coming and they bring it back like it's right in the last episode. (laughs) Yeah, but there's this is part one. There's more to come. Right. It's there's been more made. We just said these haven't been released yet. But I'm saying we're at we're at maybe one one twenty seventh Skeletor. <laughs> Not enough Skeletor. I need a I need a higher Skeletor mix. But besides that, I mean, I was pretty into it. I was I thought it was interesting that like Triclops kind of was the big bad for most of it. <laughs> Once again, voiced by Henry Rollins. Yeah, voiced by Henry Rollins, which is great. Um, I, I was, and so one of the things I was uh, disappointed with, but I understand it is, so we start off with everyone one hundred percent cartoon accurate, right? So mm-hmm. all the outfits are right for the most part. The behaviors are updated, but it's the same character. Like you understand which, that it's the same person. Which, he has said he specifically did on purpose. Right. He wanted it. He wanted it to be like that cartoon. And then there'd be a dramatic switch at some point. Right. But that's the whole thing. And then at the end of the first episode, you kill He-Man and you're like, okay, well now Tila is a post-apocalyptic lesbian. It's like, wait, 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 dramatic switch. Unprepared for it to be at the end of the first episode. But besides that, I mean, it was all right. I thought Tila was pretty badass. I like the fact that kind of they they gave uh, Evil Lynn a little more 
gravitas, if that makes sense. Because she she always was really powerful in the comic books, but it's like, why doesn't he just send her to fucking kill people? <laughs> fucking Skeletor's an idiot. Yeah. And I, I like the fact they... that they kind of established that, too. They're kind of like, you know, Skeletor's kind of a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I like that they gave her more to do. I feel like the they fleshed out the backstory of Orko, I thought was fantastic. Yep. Um, the scene where he, him and her are kind of confiding in each other. I was like, oh, fuck. I, I just liked the idea that they created this gray area in the world of Eternia where it's like like the idea that when you take these two leaders away, it's no longer good versus evil. Now everybody's kind of intermixing and all that. I loved that idea. So when you have Evelyn and Orko off on their own because they're the only two magic characters left and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that they would just feel like a natural kinship to each other even though they fought on opposite sides for so many years i'll i'll tell you what them unceremoniously killing off orko (laughs) halfway Uh, halfway through i was like okay i'm more upset about that than he man (laughs) like fuck fuck you guys i get i I get that they tried they gave him a big heroic death and they like kind of everything well, technically, we still don't even know. It, it happened off screen for the most part. So my my assumption is he will be back. It's like probably going to be Orko the White when he comes back and he'll have new powers yeah. or even better. Yeah, okay. Although I kind of don't want them to do that because it, so it's, it's a Barry Allen situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Orko died saving everybody. Yeah. If you bring him back that takes away the sacrifice he made, which kind of it, it cheapens the character and even worse than killing him, if that makes sense. Uh, so I would almost I see, would almost leave him dead and bring yeah. in a new uh trolley in or something like that. Yeah. I would not bring in a new one. If if he's dead, they should just don't try to replace him. Don't go buy a new fish that looks just like the old fish kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but but I like if they want to bring him back, I think there's like there's lots of precedent in the world of fantasy for bringing a guy back and doing it right. If it's done right, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. It's just a matter of how they do it. and Like, how do they explain it plot wise and how well is it executed? We'll see how it goes. I also, I think my favorite thing is so evil Lynn, they kind of, so, so they show how powerful she can be. Then they kind of build her up as a red- Deemable character then they kind of shift from that to be like oh no you know she's the evil queen like that's the, like that's not what's gonna happen she's she's still super evil she just doesn't have her strength so she has to team up with people and then to have it end with Skeletor coming back and her just immediately kowtowing back to Skeletor. But that moment when she goes, pity, I was just starting to like you kids, and walks away, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so good, though. Like, I really enjoyed it. Well, it was funny, because you thought, you thought maybe she would have that character-defining moment of not joining the good side, but being like, no. <laughs> like magic's back i'm gonna go fuck everybody up um evil lynn and instead it's like nah i'm a lackey again god damn it (laughs) yeah uh so i mean i obviously really enjoyed it 
uh, but I've been seeing people on Facebook like complain about it. And I saw like, you know, sometimes like some of my friends will comment on something in a group or a post that I'm not really a part of and I'll see it. And I clicked on the comments and I'm like, oh, Jesus, a bunch of fucking incel virgins in here. So I started trolling a bunch of them just because they deserve to be because of how bad they were whining. So, wait, so is that people are upset because what Tila was like one of the main characters? Uh, because Tila was one of the main characters in No He Man or Skeletor. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I, I understand why people would be upset if they went into it looking for the 80s cartoon and are, you know, your two main characters are gone, basically. that I at least understand that level of upset. I hadn't heard the other things. So. Well, but then they don't even... They, they don't even, like, back up their argument that well because they're obviously not paying attention because they're just mad about dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this one guy argued, like, why even call it He-Man? You should have just called it Tila. And I'm like, well, you, you realize they didn't call it He-Man, right? He-Man's not even in the title of the show. Yeah. And, of course, everybody else just started giving him shit, and he didn't respond to my to my comment. But there's just lots of that. Like, why even call it He-Man? I'm like, because it's not called He-Man. It's not, yeah. So stop being an idiot. Maybe yeah. they just want to tell a story without He-Man, just to see what it's like to ha- have a story without He-Man. And then... E-Man will be in the next part because this isn't like it. Like people are acting like, well, this is the end. They've decided they're never making He-Man stuff ever again after this one part. And this is how they're ending it. And I'm like, you're a fucking moron. But is it not like not, not, is it not pretty clear at this point that the next, like the next part, part two or whatever ends with He-Man coming back to defeat Skeletor? In some way, that's what the journey is. Yeah, like that's the journey of the next episode. I don't think that that's true. Oh, I think it is. No, I think I think it's uh, Tila takes up the sword and she becomes she man or whatever they want to call her. Hopefully, they don't call her that because that 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 would raise some red flags. (laughs) I don't think they're going to call her she man. But yeah, no, she's going to be the next champion. Think so? Oh yeah, she's replacing He-Man. That's that is one hundred percent what they're doing, and I'm okay with that. I'm not complaining about it. But that's yeah. Okay, but the, but I guess the point is we don't know that. And these people are just like, well, this is fucking it. This is fucking stupid. And you're like, well, you haven't seen the whole story yet, so maybe calm down. They did catch me off guard when they killed Adam at the end there, or stabbed him, or whatever that happened. I was mm-hmm. like. I did not see that coming. And then Skeletor is just back and now he's super Skeletor or whatever the fuck. And you're just like, wow, I did not envision that coming at all. Like they got me. So would he be like ski man? Ski man. So man. I don't know. No, <laughs> he's Frank Lagella at the end of the book. It's gold Skeletor. Mm. Uh, but so yeah, I was, gonna, about... I was gonna say they killed Roboto too. I forgot about that. <laughs> they were they were killing all sorts of characters. Yeah. I was gonna say, what did everybody think of all the side characters that they did stuff with? I thought it was a lot of fun. I I have yeah. a question. How do you guys? Why did they shave Beast Man? Does that feel weird to you guys? Like, is it necessary to 
to shave him. Why shave him? Did they shave him? Yes. Go back and rewatch it. He's got hair on like parts of him, but like uh, he shaved him. They shaved his arms and his chest. Uh, I think conceptually he's supposed to be like like he's lost a lot of his fur in like maybe battles and shit mm. because he's been wandering kind of aimlessly. That's the impression I got. Okay. I would, well, I'll tell you what. I would rather go with yours then, because all the other the, answers are weird. <laughs> it's some yeah. weird pseudosexual shaved beast man stuff. Uh, maybe, so you he's, know, he's got like, he's got like the mange or something from being, I just like the idea know. that there's like, he, he lost his job and he had to turn to like fetish porn where people shave beast man's for <laughs> sexual kicks. I'm looking at a picture of beast man from the original show and he kind of looks shaved too. I recall him being pretty furry. Here, I'm going to send the picture to you right now. But um, how do we feel? I mean, there's fucking Moss Man. So I was like, really? Moss Man? <laughs> Plays a pretty prominent role in a couple parts of the, the series. I was surprised um, how some of the characters, like Merman, how much he felt like he was just kind of forced in. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting, it. the characters they chose to go with and then the ones that they felt obligated to put in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, though. He doesn't have his mane. Yeah, they like shaved his chest. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Too so, much, too much beast man shaving. Is um, <laughs> I was, I was happy my that opinion. Don't shave, don't shave the beast man. It's weird. I was happy that uh, Kevin Conroy got to play somebody besides Batman. I mean, I love when he plays Batman. Yep. Give him something else to do. Uh, Merman was a weird choice, though. It's yeah. I think that's because you get an. It's, you get a name like that in there and it's like, well, he's not going to be a main character. Then he's more of a cameo. Those are your two choices, right? Yeah. Did you guys, uh, did you guys feel like it was interesting that they went way out of their fucking way, even in the script to try to point out and be like, yeah, he man's cool, but man at arms, that was the real badass. <laughs> it was a little bit weird that they, when it was evil in that actually said like man in arms was the one that everybody feared more than he man. And I'm like, that's not the way it was portrayed in the eighties cartoon. <laughs> like man in arms. I always liked it man, as a character. I never had a problem, but clearly it was just, he was there to hold off the bad guys until he man showed up and saved the day. Well, I mean, we, the truth is man at arms, true power was in the fact that he carried all of the best weapons. He had the, you know, the blaster and the yeah. grappling gun and what is clearly Tom Atkins mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was the mustache's other big role in the eighties. <laughs> it's good to see the mustache getting work in different mediums, working <laughs> in cartoons. And... Right. Um, no Ram man, which I was a little disappointed with. So I was a big a Ram Man fan back in the day. Yeah, because it was one of the more fun toys because they're just like, we're going to make this one out of metal so you can hurt yourself with it a little easier. <laughs> it had that little like metal like thing on his foot that you could just easily whack your brother with. It's great. There was a bunch of moments that I was like, man, they're really trying to get every character they can in, aren't they? They really <laughs> are. That, the moment was Stinkor in it. I was like, really? Just going to just well. gonna work Stinkor in. Uh, Jason Mewes needed something to do, so. I mean, Jason Mewes isn't going to play, like, Lockjaw or something. Come on. Uh, 
or trap jaw or whatever the fuck his name was. Motherfucking trap jaw. Yeah, like so I said, it was all right. I just, I just needed, I need a thousand percent more Skeletor. Well, you're getting it. You get you. It's Super Skeletor is going to be a main character in part two. That's I just, just hope they be... don't make him effective. If they make him an effective bad guy, <laughs> that betrays the original cartoon. I just want him <laughs> going and coming up with stupid fucking plans that don't work. <sighs> I mean, I see why you'd want that. Yes, mm. Beastman, paint the ponies blue, and then the Eternians will give us all their money. Ah, <laughs> Skull will be mine. <laughs> Which episode was that? <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the idea where Skeletor wins at the end of this part. And just see what happens after that, but it was it was interesting that they had Skeletor just completely outplay He Man not once but twice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I I did like the whole thing with the sword splitting in half. Yeah, just because you know that was that was the original idea for the thing, and it never went into the cartoon, but. Everybody had the toys. Exactly. I was like, why do these swords go together? Skeletor doesn't have the sword. Yeah, that was all in the comic book. That the the sword was actually two swords and you had to have both swords in order to get into Castle Grayskull. Well, I knew that because you had to use that as the key to open the drawbridge. Yeah. Yeah. And then whenever it went to Funimation, they were like, no. How about just the bad guys show up and then He Man punches them all? How about that? That's that's more of what our cartoons are like here. This uh, cute animal, weird little wizard thing that fucks up magic, and then He Man throws a guy. Shouldn't he stab the, him with the sword? No, throw the guy. That's what he does. Sword is for defense only, but it's a sword. You're not listening. Defense only. I did like. I really liked that line. Where, you know, He-Man stabs Skeletor and Skeletor goes, ah, you finally used that sword for what it's meant to do. <laughs> uh, uh, did you like of fun things like that. There was the moment where they made fun of He-Man's humor and they're just like, yeah, he had the humor of a teenage boy that doesn't get out much. And it's like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, do you like that they worked in uh, even action figure characters that never technically existed like hero yeah yeah see i was wondering that because like i had those those characters and i'm like the action figures and i remember not knowing them from the cartoon and then i'm like shit is there like cartoons i don't remember or were they you know hugely active in the comics but never made it into the cartoon mm-hmm. i was sort of confused by some of it well hero never even became a figure he was, they advertised him and they made like a prototype and then the toy line got canceled before he even okay, came out. he's that one? Alright. Yeah, I he's the guy, he's, he's like the blacksmith up in Eternia Heaven or whatever, Preternia, yeah. whatever they okay. call it, yeah. Because there was a couple of like characters there that I felt like, I'm like, I think I had that toy or, or saw that toy when I was a kid, whether I owned it or my friends owned it, I can't remember all the details, but, and then like I don't remember them from the cartoon and I think yeah. it's... Was it Stinkor not part of the cartoon? 
Is that true? I well, definitely had a stinker. And I had that like Pretoria castle, that huge fucking thing. Oh, that yeah. Stinkor that came with that little spray bottle of stink. Oh, so that God. you could just make your toy stink. God. I've told you guys a story, I think, before about like finding my old Stinkor years later and he still stunk and all the other toys that were in that box and had to be thrown out. It was like it was like I think it was like like a weekend when I came home from university and my mom's like go through some of those old toys and their stinker just smelled bad. It's just like fuck like gonna throw all this box of toys out now because stinker's been stinking them up for like twenty years. <laughs> At the end of the day stinker wins. He did <laughs> Uh, I did like that they just made him like a thief, essentially. More like a raccoon, I guess, than a skunk. But it's just like, no, all this horde is mine. So don't take my stuff. Even though I stole it from other people. I don't know. I don't want to get into your big raccoon skunk debate, but I think skunks are just as capable of stealing things. I mean, it's fair enough. I mean, stereotypically, they're better at sexual assault than at theft, but you know, whatever crime they want. Oh my God. I should talk about this. Uh, so I did watch space jam, a new legacy. It was fucking terrible, but, um, it's weird because they decided at one point that Pele Pew too, uh, too problematic. Can't have them. Can't have them in space jam too. Canceled. Right. Yeah. Can't do it. Then the giant, the giant, uh, uh, basketball crowd where Warner Brothers is like, well, we own a lot of shit, so just put it in this movie. Um, so the thugs from Clockwork Orange show up. All right, you know, you know the guys that literally rape a woman in in a, in the movie. So yeah. they're there in the audience. Uh, a nun from from Ken Russell's the the Devils. Jesus, <laughs> it's like you know the movie where all the nuns after the Cardinal leaves to have some weird sadist orgy. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was, she, she was, one of them was represented in the, I've audience. never even seen the devils, but I know about that part, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, really? Pepe Le Pew too, too dangerous. But you know, the, the raping and the orgies, yeah. those characters are fine. We'll put them in the background. Let's make it abundantly clear that corporations do not do these things because they're like, oh, Pepe Le Pew's too problematic. It's, oh, that's going to hurt our marketing. Okay, so <laughs> if people had complained so about the other weird. stuff enough to, and they felt it was yeah. going to be uh, financially beneficial to remove those other characters, they would have done that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I'd never even seen the first one, but it's one of those movies that Amanda was at the right age when it came out, so she had fond memories of it, so she wanted to watch this one. And technically, it was free because it was on HBO Max. So I'm like, sure, why not? But, oof. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Mass of the Universe, fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I liked the direction they were going. I liked the interesting story they were telling. Yeah. The thing that blew my mind the most is like back when they said this was going to be a sequel to the original one, I remember thinking that doesn't make any sense. Like, how do you make a sequel to a 22 episode long toy commercial and (laughs) like watching this i'm like but it totally was like the character the characters all felt like updated versions of those characters the world felt like updated versions of that world the dialogue 
was, you know, modernized, but in many ways still reflective of what we used to get. And even the animation style felt like an update on the old animation style. Like it wasn't a new animation style. It was still trying to make it look like the old version, but not in the, they, they weren't mimicking it. They brought, they, they, they made it their own while still representing the old version, if that makes sense. So I, like, I was really impressed by that. I'm like, they really did make a sequel to a kid's cartoon from the eighties, which means we could get a sequel to GI Joe if people would just do it. Uh, so one thing I just thought about that there would be a, uh, complaint of mine. Yeah. Each episode did not end with some sort of positive. Message <laughs> they got Henry so, Rollins to record a, a fake version of one for the, like, behind the scenes thing if you watch that on netflix oh, I, watching that it, i can't remember I that talkie that series that was about cartoons i don't think i ever realized that those were there for a reason that because yeah. it was required that you have so much time and educational television that you had oh, yeah. to add those those messages at the end or to put the cartoons on air yep even uh it's required to run so many hour public service announcements, which is basically what those are. Um, so we would just load up PSAs during all of our children's programming to meet the requirements and not take away from any actual advertising time that we would have throughout the rest of the day. That's funny. Yeah. But I'm just saying, they could have, they could have done some modern ones that I think would have, would have been a lot of fun, so... Yeah, just hey, you know, if a stranger texts you and wants to see your uh, private area, don't was, send them a picture. I was, I was getting ready. See you next time, friends. To, listening to He Man and Orko trying to explain consent to children sounds fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Remember, it needs to be enthusiastic. Remember, she's allowed to change her mind at any time. The more you know. <laughs> please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater and now folks it's time to say goodnight we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment please drive home carefully and come back again soon Good night.